0: To God is open. I am Christopher Fisher. Let's see if we can make this uh thing work. We are doing a cringe cast today, absolute cringe. We got a six hour video on open theism by uh Smoky Saint. That's the guy's name. And so someone posted this in the YouTube video. Uh, not the YouTube video, uh the Facebook group, and they're like, Oh, look at this stuff. It's like, uh oh, <laughs> I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to do it uh, but we will do it for our viewing pleasure I see what they have to say so I'm gonna hit play on this and then uh we'll see what they so, want to say uh, oh
1: yes a nice exciting evening. so
0: his his voice reminds me yes, of uh maybe someone I've interacted
1: with in the past our goth of Bob and also to be joined by praise I am that I am. Um, And we are going to discuss and um, attempt to unpack, at least in the most thorough detail that we can, the challenge of the benefits of uh, epistemology of open theism, which is attempts to usually dissect or dismantle the um, challenges and attacks against the culpability of God to address the problem of evil. Um, What I would hope to do essentially in short order is demonstrate that while the fuel of accepting a divergent theology, such as open theism would most likely be uh, catalyzed by hatred for something else, most likely Calvinism as a good example, which uh, I think most uh, proponents on a philosophical level actually have a good, um, a good case against it. After all, I've, I've made the case many times that Calvinism and, you know, implicit philosophical conclusion really does tend to insult uh, God's character and nature as it's revealed in Scripture. But it's also a failure of humans to want to be willing to allow Scripture many times to speak for itself. We play games with the text that we shouldn't be playing. You know, in the uh, rush to attempt to... Uh, All right, some examples would be great. ...the divine from one moral challenge, we potentially create uh, half a dozen others. Um, and at some point here, as we discuss with Bob and uh, look into his epistemological justification...
0: I'm to skip forward just a little bit. ...theological perspective. Come on, work for me. So, so he said that uh, open theism needs someone to hate and that person is Calvinism. The audio is a little faint. Let's, let's see if I can't boost that up. Um, edit audio avatar. No, that doesn't work. We'll put this up. Turn my gain all the way up. Is that better? Or is it his audio that's faint? Is it the YouTube audio video that's faint?
1: Thing that we claim the Calvinists are doing, which is videos audio, the clear, okay. represented nature of God and His we'll revelation. Pump this up. There we go. Um, and number three, to hopefully show you that there might just be a better option than entertaining something that requires you to have to basically deny pretty clear revelations in scripture about the nature of God and still allow you to not have to accept, you know, the, this prime Calvinistic or predeterministic, you know, type of paradigm. That's my hope of the evening, and that's what I've been praying over. And feel free to respond to that if you like.
0: Good thing we skip forward. We're sure, to 15 what's the, minutes,
1: the
2: whole, like it, you, you make it sound like open theism has some sort of moral uh, implication. Like
3: sure.
1: Right. So let's start there. That's a good call. Um, so here's here's the issue with what you probably want to do or at least I've seen the open theist want to do. And correct me if I'm wrong on any part of this. But if you can say that God didn't necessarily know that evil was going to manifest, then you have now diffused God's moral culpability to prevent it Uh from happening is that am I am I pretty close? And feel free to clean it up for me if I've misrepresented.
2: I think so. You know, we talked about Genesis eighteen twenty one, and he
1: says he heard a cry, and
2: he's going to go down and look, and it's not as bad as the cry that he heard. He'll so when I read that, I take that to mean what it says at face value, and I what I think is going on is that he has you know the, the Bible. Uh, somewhere that he eyes everywhere And I think it's talking talk about his angels You know, you go back and look at uh, Paul's Christian's guardian angels And I think that's kind of the thing That's going on is You know, God has uh, What we think about His omnipresence And I think uh, That might be just referring to He's got angels everywhere That are looking out for uh, Those that will inherit salvation I think I'm going off topic Uh, The point is, I I don't think that he didn't know that sin would enter into the world. I think that he knew that there was a risk when he made free will creatures that they would eventually screw up. And he had a plan before he made everything of how he was going to handle it.
1: So, well, here's the problem. You you also have to claim that all the instances of scripture where it says that
0: yeah I don't know if this Ag, Agatha guy this Bob guy I don't know if he's an open theist or not it's kind of kind of interesting uh, how how they're laying things down so God's moral culpability of course any creator is going to have some sort of culpability for their creation even unintended consequences of their creation they're going to have some moral culpability for Terence uh, Fretheim he actually made this point very explicitly at the at the Openness conference in responding to uh, one of ord's friends I uh, presented a paper on on how god cannot act in any unloving way which absolves him of culpability and Terence Fretheim's response was basically that uh, yeah, he he has to bear some some responsibility and so even in open theism, God does not avoid responsibility. Uh, he does to the extent in the Calvinist or Arminian model, which God knows the world that he's going to create, exactly how it's going to turn out, and then it turns out that way anyway. Uh, that's very direct responsibility. He's, he's the direct actor in that case. His creation was the proximate cause of any sin that occurs because he knew the sin that was going to occur and created the world like this anyways. Whereas in open theism, it, it didn't have to turn out that way. And so God's moral culpability is limited, but still there in some respect. Just uh, just as uh, raising kids, maybe your kid turns out bad. It might not be 100% your fault, but maybe just a little, maybe just a little bit your fault. That
1: God quote unquote foreknew that he's a really, really exceptionally precise prognosticator, right? So, so what you're saying is this incredibly precise aware prognosticator, you know. What's uh, prognostic? that That, that is being able to predict precisely without actual knowledge. So, like you're oh. you're looking at you're looking at threads of evidence and predicting what the events to come will be. You're not actually in a state of actual knowledge. You know you haven't actually seen what's going to happen. I like that definition because guess what? Uh, the Greek word that
0: he uh, is it that that forms the basis of his English word prognostication is prognosco, which is is the biblical word for for knowledge. And so if he's defining this word as being very good at accurately predicting something, well that that diffuses the calvinist interpretation of that word in the Bible. Just I don't know if he, he puts the dots together. But in the Bible, uh, the Jews prognosco Paul. They knew him beforehand. It's not actually a foreknowledge. It's being familiar with something ahead of time. And so uh, it's just funny how just watching how English words affect, or Greek words affect English words, and how we use them, and the variety of meaning, and then when people come to the Bible, it has to be like one set meaning. It must be must be your
1: theology. Just predicting what's going to happen. See what I'm saying? So, so yeah, your I God... Think- Yeah, your perspective is God is just a very, very gifted prognosticator. He sees all the threads, the potential choices, the sociology of man, their psychology, and then is able to pristinely predict uh, what will happen with such a level of confidence and certainty and accuracy that he's never actually been wrong uh, throughout scripture. Or would you agree that he's got things wrong in scripture? Are the atheists right when they say he's got things wrong in scripture?
2: Um. Well, there, there are a couple of odd verses, uh, like when he's speaking to, uh, oh, what's his name? Samuel so Bob's maybe
1: Or Jezreel. You know who I'm talking about? No, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Ahab. So, like, are you saying that you, you don't think, so you don't really think that the Bible is inerrant? No, I think the Bible is inerrant. No, I mean, but but like your God, how what, what has he made any has he made any mistakes in in the in in the scripture? Like, are there any contradictions? So he must be like an open. Any inconsistencies? Is there anything that would show or give evidence that this God doesn't always get it right, or does he always always get it right?
0: Well, how about God there, regretting no, making his the own? The Bible is
1: perfect. The Word of God is. Conviction. No, 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 I, okay, okay, I'm God not talking about like, the, the world. actual pages and, and and the words in it. I'm talking about, like, in terms of its revelation about, about God or about reality, is it ever an error?
4: Yeah, I think like he's an error. I think, it, error. I
2: think he, makes, uh, he makes first the Your people, and then God. when they repent, he changes
0: his mind about what he was going to do to them. <sighs> okay, all right. So that that's actually a pretty interesting the language that they use the the your gods and so I think it's Matt Slick who has publicly stated that if uh, God was the God as open theists describe then he would not worship him as God and which <laughs> it's a pretty bold statement but it, it makes you think maybe maybe people like Matt Slick aren't really Christians and uh, it's not like they're just ignorant and then they'll they'll get to heaven one day and then they'll confront God, and God will say, you're wrong about me. Um, they might still be in rebellion. They might say, this is terrible, and, and refuse to worship God because they're so dedicated to this picture, and they so much hate the picture that open theist draws about God. Uh, so th- they're in danger. They're in danger. Uh, I'm not going to be the one judging them, so God will, God will one day judge them.
1: So... um Let's see if I can reframe this. So you're basically painting the picture that God is because He expresses the way He feels so if about the certain things. Armenian model of God was correct. Doing it, I'd then that God it automatically means that He is actually
0: feeling. Because I would represent correctness. And if the Calvinist model of God was correct, I wouldn't have any choice either way. So it would really—it would be a moot point. Feeling
1: those things at those moments. Oh, yes, I I think God has emotions. No, 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 but okay. But you have, okay, so you you started with a presupposition that we don't both accept that God is contingent on time. Okay, (laughs) we don't both accept that. See, for me, I believe that my God is timeless. It's outside of time, that he he was before time ever began, because time is a physical property. And time only has relative function and effect on something that has mass and matter. So basically, if you're gonna believe that God is subject to time, that also means that your God is physical <laughs> by essentiality.
0: So, so so notice notice how that works. So um, yeah, if you control every single definition, um you, you know exactly what mass and matter is. Remember, there's there's uh, the podcast today with, with my brother where we we fundamentally don't know how the universe is composed. We fundamentally don't know what matter is and and, uh, and the inner workings, the fundamental building blocks of reality. But he's telling us he knows, Smokey Saint knows what time is and what matter is and how time relates to matter. And uh, he knows that God doesn't fall under this definition of matter that he knows explicitly. And therefore, Oh, you add all those together and therefore uh, God is like a physical being or something like that in open theism. I don't think our Bob friend agreed to any of those premises yet. And there's quite a lot of them, and they all, all need to fit together in order for this this argument to work. So that,
1: what's that? God is a spirit and he must be worshiped in spring truth. No, that's not what you that's not what you pitch though, because you <laughs> say that your God has to be contingent on time.
0: <laughs> that's what
1: he says Bob says oh my god must be
0: contingent on time maybe time's like not a thing to be contingent on time's
1: not a thing and so it, it's a nonsense statement and maybe I don't know. like if, if time didn't have a beginning God is then that means that God and time are basically co-eternal which means that time is basically a co-eternal factor of God
2: so yeah, I don't that think means that time- physical
1: dimension. Notice the well, platonistic assumptions scientifically, Bob, a physical property. It is. In fact, in fact, even the, the very way that you and me experience time as we know it is solely a byproduct of our relative position in the universe and the matter around us and our position. It, it's all extremely relatively focused. The, this is why they have all those talks about how when you travel away from the earth and back to it, so much time has passed here and so much time has passed for them. Time is an extremely relative idea and it's all tied to relative mass. It all has to do with physicality. Maybe, maybe so we should call my brother. Is, and is not a, the only things that can be bound by time are physical things that are made of physical mass and physical matter. Phys- philosoph- philosophically, that's what you make God become. I
2: just see cases in the Bible where God reacts to things emotionally. He has well
1: emotion- I, I, he I, I
3: know, repent. But, but, but,
1: let me try to raise your thinking a little bit because you're just what you're doing, Bob, is you're putting God in a three-dimensional box and you're presupposing that, which is why you're not following what I'm saying here. So so I'll tell you what, Let, let's let's consider the idea that God was timeless for just a moment. Go ahead and pull yourself into my theological box for just a second. Let's pretend the idea that God is actually timeless. okay? So when would he have decided to make reality if he was timeless? No. What's that? Never. Right, right. The the actual decision has no chronological place. John, are you with us? Which means that the decision itself is eternal. The decision to make reality is co-eternal with God because it didn't have a chronological starting point. Okay. Now, if God was also timeless and could see everything that would happen in reality. then then he would be aware of what would transpire when he created it, right? Because he's timeless. He's outside of it, so he creates time.
2: Right, but he wouldn't be able
1: to react to it. Well, no, what I'm saying is that everything that he would decide and react to, because he's already seen it, because he already knows how it's going to unfold, he's already reacted to it in an eternal way. It's just the humans... It doesn't. It doesn't help the humans for them to hear about God. No, I swear. I swear, I've interacted with this guy before. Um, his voice
0: is very familiar, and his arguments uh, sound very familiar as well. And uh, mm. and so he assumes all his philosophy. So time must be specifically defined as something related to the material world. I don't know if he's told us what time is yet. Uh, He has all the answers, but uh, he hasn't told us what matter is, what time is, and the specific relation between the two. Just that they are related and time is some sort of thing. And that thing, if it's co-eternal with God, then it's like equal to God. Notice the Platonistic logic. So the Platonistic logic is God is the most simple being. Because uh, if it, he was parts, then he could be divisible down to the most simple, more simple element. And that more simple element would be God. And so if there's something that's co-eternal with God, like time, then time is God as well, co-equal to God. These are Platonistic value sets that he's bringing into the discussion. And he's just pausing it to Bob. And Bob never uh, agreed to this Platonistic value set. John, are you there? Did you
5: hear any of this Smoky state guy? A little bit. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. Let me let me rewind a little bit, and he'll tell us all about time and how time
1: works. God, how what, what, has he made any? Has he made any mistakes in in the in in the scripture? Like, are there any contradictions? Are there any errors? Are there any inconsistencies? Is it's there like, anything that would show? He has or like give a six-hour doesn't i'm gonna try to, to <laughs> can I do the whole thing always
0: <laughs> always <laughs> always <laughs> no i can't do the whole thing <laughs> there, it's a
1: cringe cast it automatically means that he is actually feeling those things at those moments
0: okay did i skip too far oh yes i, I think well, god has a mouth. It's, it's six hours so i have no to no, no click but, around okay. in here
1: but you have okay so you, you started with a presupposition that we okay. don't both accept here we go. that god is contingent on time Okay, we don't both accept that. See, for me, I believe that my God is timeless. God is time. contingent on was, time. He was before time ever began. Because time is a physical property. Uh, time and is a time physical only property. only has relative function. And a...
0: are, are you hearing this guy? Yeah. <laughs> so he says uh, time is a, a, is a physical property. Is that true?
5: Um time is measured by the difference in relationship between objects. So I don't know, like arguably it is a physical property.
0: Arguably, uh, physical things are used to measure what we call time, which is a conception.
5: But, but, you know, how do you know the difference between your measurement and what the, the thing itself is? I don't know if you can just like, you can't claim through physics that time is not physical.
0: Right, it's, it's an assumption that he's bringing in the conversation and he's just throwing it and then Bob is just like, "What what is this guy talking about?" Bob earlier had to Is get this Bob Anyart? No, this is Bob Argatha. He, had, he earlier he had to get uh, Smokey Say to tell him what uh prognosis means. And so I don't know if Bob is is uh tracking on all this all this uh
1: this, this talk about physics and time here. Effect on something that has mass and matter. So basically, if you're going to believe that God is subject to time, that also means that your God is physical. <laughs> By essentiality.
0: Okay, so he, time. He, here's his argument. Time is a physical property, and mm-hmm. if God is subject to time... Uh, Bob, Bob here never said that uh, he believes that time is a physical property, and he never yeah. said that God is subject to time. Yeah, and uh, Smokey Saint puts those together and says your God must be physical.
1: So, so that what's that? God is a spirit, and he must be worship in spring truth. No, that's not what you. That's not what you pitch, though, because you say that's that your what you God pitch. has to be contingent on time. That's what it. See, like, if
0: if t- Bob, uh, uh, for the record, Bob never said, "My God must be contingent on time."
5: Yeah,
1: for the record, time didn't have a beginning. Which is different than within time. That God that being time within time is
5: not the same as being contingent.
1: Which means that time is basically a co-eternal factor of God. Yeah, so I don't that think means, that time
2: is physical dimension.
1: Well, time is scientifically, Bob, a physical property. It's it scientifically, is. it's in a fact, physical problem. In fact, uh, even the, the very way that you and me experience time as we know it is solely a byproduct of our relative position in the universe and the matter around us and our position. It, it's all extremely relatively focused. The, this is why they have all those talks about how when you travel away from the earth and back to it, so much time has passed here and so much time. I'm going to throw out another way
0: that we experience time differently, just how our brains function. And so, and so because our, our experiences are based on how our brains function. So we do in fact, uh, that's not, not like a, you wouldn't say that's based on your mass or density of your physics, just how your brain functions could give you a different experience. We might measure people's mm-hmm. experience of time differently. Uh, based on their physical location but experiences are a mental process right yeah
1: and and so he, he's missing missing some of these elements here past for them time is an extremely relative idea and it's all tied to relative mass i mean, it it has has to a little bit of breathing on your mic so something is is not a the only things that can be bound by time are physical things that are made of physical mass and physical matter Phys- philosophically, that's but, what you make God just, become.
5: Just pause there, real quick. So, so this concept that if if time is purely physical, then if you reversed all the physical things in the universe, time would go backwards, right? Yeah. So, which, in principle, you could say God could do. Which, by that nature, God would be timeless or outside of time or control in control of time. If you're claiming that time is physical. But, of course, God is moving forward to that arrow of time. Right. Which... And so he would actually,
0: if if God reverses all things in the universe, make it go backwards, it'd still be a forward arrow. You'd still map it out. For
5: God. Yeah.
0: You, you could just, you could play a movie of it from start to finish. You don't have to turn the movie backwards. And so uh, I I did, uh, I don't think, I, I drew out. On one of these, uh, not TikToks, but these Marco Polos for a group, all these different time frames, how, how time travel works in movies. And in each movie, you literally could draw a straight line to map out the events in those movies. Uh, one, one proof of this fact is they're in movies. The movie is a straight line. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so any world that you do present, you can have a presentist model to explain that world. No matter how things come up, things uh, fit together in the time travel movies. It's it's just really it's interesting that uh, it it's not. I'm I'm going to say it's it's not a model that you could disprove presentism because all the facts fit the underlying assumptions. You you just have to either believe it or not believe it. It's it's a presupposition that you have to basically take on faith. And, and I do because that's our normal experience is presentism. I've never seen the world reverse.
5: I, I mean, I think a disproof of presentism would be somehow you disprove causality, but I don't know how you would do that and keep anything else in the world consistent.
0: Yeah, a causality loop might be it, might be a way to do that. I think. Just see cases in the Bible where God reacts to things.
1: So Bob wants to talk about the Bible. (laughs) Right. Smokey <laughs> so Saint wants to talk about his weird bit, ideas. You're about just, physics. What you're doing, Bob, is you're putting God in a three-dimensional box and you're presupposing that, which is why you're not following what I'm saying here. So so yeah, I'll tell you what, Let, let's let's consider the idea that God was timeless for just a moment. Go ahead and pull yourself into my theological box for just a second. Let's pretend the idea
0: So ironic says, What worldview model should one turn to if classical theism is rejected? Pantheism, panetheism. How is God related to the world we see? So let's let's go. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I think ironic. now, uh, his big thing on, on uh, Facebook is running around saying pantheism, a doctrine which identifies God with the universe or regards the universe as a manifestation of God. I'm still getting some breathing God dear. part if you want to move your mic away, a little bit away from your, your face. So how is God related to the world? I think th- those are underlining assumptions. Again, I, I don't think we fundamentally know what this universe is. Uh, there's, there's that uh, video by that uh, physicist that I've played before, which he admits it. We don't know the underlying structure of the universe. And to, so to make any definitive claims about what God is and how God relates to the world, it's, it's just speculative. It assumes we know something that we don't. Idea that
1: God is actually.
5: Yeah. You'd have to basically, unless you're being told or you have some method to investigate, you wouldn't know, right? Yeah.
1: Timeless. Okay. So when would he have decided to make reality if he was timeless?
0: When would he have decided to make reality? See, see
1: this this is the part I heard when <laughs> I
0: showed
5: up. This is just like it's a nonsense right. question. Right. they are already the, saying the that that when means nothing, and, and causality then means nothing, and so to, trying to talk in those terms, you're just basically speaking about nonsense. There yeah, is and, no when, and There's notice no how. Notice that it's like when did
0: God decide to create reality? As if reality was like not existent at some point before God created the universe. When did he create reality? It's like reality is like just a concept of a thing that exists. It's 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 reality. It's yeah it's it's like God is not part of reality
5: then. God yeah. is unreal. God is unreal. God is not real. I don't yeah. I don't I mean, think that's the negative theology that you must have to say that at some point. I think
0: you, I think that I think taking these logical conclusions and Pl- 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 Plotinus, in his work, once you utter the one, utter no other thought, because we can't even conceptualize God. God is unreality. And so maybe it's a
1: linguistical slip-up revealing his his true theology. God is unreality. The actual decision has no chronological place, which means that the decision itself is eternal. The decision to make reality is co-eternal with God, because it didn't have a chronological starting point. Bob, our friend Bob, was like, what the heck are we talking about? And could see everything that would happen in reality. then, Then he would be aware of what would transpire when he created it, right? Because he's timeless. He's outside of it. So he creates time.
2: Right. But he wouldn't be able
1: to react to it. Well, no. What I'm saying is that everything that he would decide and react to, because he's already seen it, because he already knows how it's gonna unfold, he's already reacted to it in an eternal way. It's just the humans it doesn't it doesn't help the humans for them to hear about God's reaction a thousand years before he's having the reaction to the thing that they're doing.
5: Yeah, I think he has talked, to we, like that's part of the You what we've talked about this before, but uh all of this, all this language, is c- complete nonsense. Time cannot exist if it's just sort of been st- statically determined. There is no, it, time is just an illusion. There is no change. Everything is just sort of this body of pure existence, or whatever he's trying to say. But then he's trying to say that God is somehow outside of all existence too. So, <laughs> so all of this stuff, like he he created these things, and now he's reacting to it, or he eternally react. It's just like. I don't know. It just sounds like bluster. You're you're just saying things to sound like you're profound.
0: I I think that's like uh, most of all philosophy is just stringing words together just to make yourself uh, sound smart. Yeah. It's like, oh, God must be the most, uh, the best being imaginable. (laughs) And so to be that, like, like if there's a guy with one hat and there's a guy with two hats, well, the guy with two hats is definitely better. And so God must have like an infinite plus three hats. Yeah. Something he, he, like that. he
5: can't ever be lesser than the person with more hats than him. Oh no. But maybe
0: adding hats. Oh no. That adds parts. So you got to simplify it. So he's got
5: like. He has one giant hat. <laughs> he is identical to his hat. He
1: is the hat. <laughs> he is the hat. <laughs> A relationship with a person you know, <laughs> so, the pantheism
0: so i i i think this is the guy it this voice is very familiar i i think i've interacted with him before and i think i interacted him with the the greatest greatest uh being argument so there there's an argument in christianity that god must be the greatest being imaginable and i said oh the the, the argument's this so god if god is the greatest being imaginable and uh, a being that exists is greater than a being that doesn't exist. Therefore, God must exist.
5: Have you ever heard anyone argue this? Actually, a lot of people who take this very seriously. Oh,
0: yes. There's a lot of people who take it very seriously. I was like, okay, so uh, uh, <laughs> I got an object. I'll call it, uh, I don't know, a jigger. And the definition of a jigger is the, the pinkest object that ever exists. And a, a, an object. Which exists, or it, uh, I said the pinkest object imaginable. And so a pink object that exists is pinker than an object that doesn't exist. Therefore, my what's a exists. And so then they, then they, they devolve to to, uh, special pleading. They'll say, oh no, that doesn't apply because um, you're, 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 the definition of God is like the greatest being, and there's only one of these. And so the argument only works with God and uh, nothing else that you're going to present and pull into the conversation. Like, what is this? Wh- what are we doing here? Do we just special plead <laughs> our, our definition? It's like yep. you put in the definition God existing, and then you argue that he must exist because it's in the definition. That's all sorts of logical fallacies. Oh, and then then you can't use it for any other concept trying to use the same methodology. I've dealt with these people and that that's and it's part of their greatest being argument where where um, God must be this absolute pure simplicity or unchanging entity that can't degrade in any way. Because guess what? We got a word and that word has a definition. And part of that definition means that God must exist.
1: It's, it's all nonsense. And uh, they think they sound really smart in doing that. To know how you react. If God reacted to man in a four-dimensional way, it, it's unrelatable. It's unpersonal. It doesn't make sense. You're requiring God to express himself in a way, in an impersonal way. That and it doesn't, it doesn't oh my gosh, LNG White. Is this is this Jamie? Is Is it Jamie? It is Jamie. Jamie Jamie's doing that just to trigger me. What's up? What's up, you filthy, rancid (laughs) brained old shut-in? You got another prophecy to fail at us for?
3: I have this, saith the Lord
0: for Smokey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Now they're laughing.
1: <laughs> well, we were uh, just breaking into it. I was attempting to find the epistemological justification. What we're currently on, praise, is um, basically God relating to humanity on a personal nature. See, Bob is looking at it from a very unequivocal sense, almost as if when we talk about, um, you know, how like God will cover us with. I don't his think Bob's done much talking. Uh, for Bob's hermeneutics, I, I don't think we do a Bob. Bob literally believing that God Wait, has wings. So
5: Bob's the only one who's <laughs> because now with him?
1: because now we have to take anapomorphism. I'm sorry.
5: So it's now four
1: versus one in this talk. I don't know who these people are. So maybe we'll see. And we have to directly, immediately, uh, unequivocate them into reality. So, and this is what I'm trying to talk to Bob about is that if God is timeless, not only are all of his decisions, but all of his emotions about reality going to be expressed in an eternal sense. But in order for it to be relatable to humanity and expressed to humanity, it has to be expressed inside the chronological spectrum. It doesn't mean that God himself is literally physically having those things at that moment, especially especially if he's eternal and timeless. He had them in a timeless state, in his timeless state, and then he is just expressing them in our time state for it to make sense to us of how he feels about what is happening, even though he felt that way about it before anything was ever created. And feel free if anyone else wants to springboard. Matt on that, Bob if you want. Uh, to.
0: are we cringing? Yeah, I think so.
4: Here.
1: Yeah, we, we,
0: are, we are cringing. Um, quick summary of this. Um, so Smokey Saint is telling us all about physics. Uh, he's a physics master. He knows all about what time is, what God is, how God relates to time, and how God relates to matter. And it's basically like, if you if God is co-eternal uh, with time, then time is God. And and uh, <laughs> Bob, Bob here is our open theist, I think. And so Smokey Saint's been telling Bob all about what Bob believes. Here's the here's the list of things you believe, aboves Bob's like, I oh, don't what is I don't I don't know what's happening.
1: So yeah, I it's a think- better one than yours that it doesn't require me to have to compromise the nature of God exactly.
5: Cool.
0: My
1: supposition is the, the
5: nature of God. Which no. Decided. no,
1: because you just denied two very, very blatant uh, verses about God claiming his nature of foreknowledge <laughs> over all of reality, and you say that the <laughs> knowledge isn't actually knowledge. So you're saying that God is basically just a good prognosticator. Also, you fail at the moral culpability problem of the problem of evil, because while you give give God credit, for being a master prognosticator to where he gets everything right. I don't think Bob's made without no no certainty without actually knowing he still fails at the ability to mitigate and protect the world from having evil exist. So even though he's a master prognosticator, he failed at prognosticating, which. So let's talk about this real quick. I don't think I've ever in my history said
0: God is just a master prognosticator. Or anything like that, or uh, open theists tend to do a, a thing where they they start talking about God in a very authoritative sense. Oh, God is like this; God knows all possibilities, and He's playing this uh, forty chess, and and He's He's making all these moves. Well, you know that's that is a claim, and you could make the claim, but it's better to just kind of look at the biblical data and say it ceased God doing something, and then. Uh, come to that uh, specific text and say well how does god uh know that cyrus by name is going to arise and so open Theist will say well bob in will say well god can name a baby there are examples of babies being named in the bible and, <laughs> and that's a pretty good answer you don't have to say something like uh, god just control he, he knows all the different variables and he could, you know, he could kind of see the trend of things. And he's a master chess maker to make all these things. God can name babies. Uh, that's a pretty good answer. Uh, also, Isaiah 40 through 48 might be Deutero-Isaiah. It might have been written during the time of Cyrus. Maybe, maybe, and maybe it's a little bit retroactive that name there. That's another answer. Um but uh, Smoky Saint is is just applying to Bob all these 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 crazy things. Oh, you say God is a
1: master prognosticator? I don't think Bob's made that claim. I don't know. In order to prevent evil from happening, so you actually have the same problem of evil, moral culpability problem as the a Calvinist, and you have dodged absolutely nothing.
2: Well, if he's, I, I don't want to say that he's not able, but if he's not able, then. He can morally culpable.
1: Well, my point is you have to rely. See, you can't, you can't have it both ways, Bob. You can't have it where he's, he's good enough at prognosticating and predicting to get it always right all the time and know the name of Cyrus before he's born so many generations before (laughs) claims of knowing what the future is. In fact, even challenging with the Israelites saying, Hey, who else can can but me can tell you what's going to happen you know who else is going to be i challenge any of your other false so yeah let's 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 talk about the bible real quick
0: and people's proof texts and so here's the open theist argument god repents uh see here's a verse express expressly stating god repents it says god and then has him repenting and then the narrator says it then he does it and, and there's a there's a whole thing. God repents, and people will be like, "Oh no, you're not reading that right." Oh, God never repents, and then these guys will come to the text and they'll, they'll make a claim: God knows all future events. See, here's here's a time in the Bible where God knew the name of a baby. <laughs> like what's it? <a, laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. God knows the name of the baby. Therefore, God knows all future events. I I, I don't know about that. I. There, there may be, might be other ways other than knowing all future events, to to know the name of a baby that's gonna happen in the future. That maybe,
5: well, I I think what he was trying to say there though is that God would have to force someone to name the baby that, and therefore God is culpable for the things that Cyrus did because he 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 essentially forced it to happen, and so. Uh, what he what he was saying, I think, is that um, uh, the open theist God would be just as guilty as the Calvinist God for causing all e- the certain evil events to happen.
0: Yeah. You, so you weren't here, but I, I did talk about culpability and Terence uh, Fretheim, in which Terence Fretheim responded to someone who is trying to absolve God of all moral culpability. Uh, he's taken the Ord model, God can only act through love. He can't act coercively. Therefore, God is not responsible for the evil, is not culpable for the evil in the world. And Terence Fretheim pointed out that the world's God's creation. He bears some culpability in some sense, just as if you have a kid uh, and he grows up to be this terrible mass murderer, maybe you're not the direct primal cause, but you you bear a little bit of culpability for the way that child turns out. Just a little bit. After yeah. The fact that you you had him and you, you raised him. So I don't think there's any model that really absolves God of culpability. Maybe if God's like a non-existent entity that doesn't in- interact with the world and then create the world, maybe in Platonism <clears throat> where the world is this, this, uh, imperfect outpouring from God that God has, has no relationship with in any way. Then you can in fact absolve God of culpability because this is not a world that God spawned or interacts with in any way. And so maybe the Calvinists, if they, they they could they could go full play nest. They could do that. Scots to show well, that they have the ability they,
5: to... they don't care about the culpability though, because everything is happening in the perfect way that it could possibly be, right?
0: Yeah. So they say this is the greatest universe. It reflects right. God's God's glory in the greatest way, which is like, oh,
5: oh. (laughs) this is what it is, guys. (laughs) This is what what absolute perfection is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh, The the, the absolute perfection. (laughs) To know exactly what is going to happen and what has happened and why it has happened. You know, this is the claim of God. This is part, part of his test of the claim to the Israelites of this level of being outside of reality, having that level of certainty because he is the, he is the beginning. He is the beginning of everything. He stands outside it. it this everything is his footstool. You know, he, nothing inside of it is subject to him. Everything in it is, is subject to his sovereignty and authority. So, so, you know, this is, this is the problem that you end up painting in your epistemology is you rob some of these characteristics away from him that he's revealed because, and he himself has said, this is the test that I'm going to know that I'm going to get this right all the time, every single time, every single time you test me, I'm going to get it right. No matter what, this is the claim of God. Okay. this is and he uses for knowledge all to say that he knows things okay so again your whole thing of the moral culpability you're saying well he didn't necessarily know that evil was gonna happen you're saying this is the one time the most important time in all of physical human history that he failed but I, he got everything else did right. He ever say that time. you have, you have absolutely no he never said that right I know I don't think he's ever said any things <laughs> you have the <laughs> same one that
2: he Al- said Al- that does. I have- that he knew before he made free will creatures that they would screw up and he had a plan set beforehand before he made everything on how he was going to deal with
1: it. So, okay. Well, that's not uh, open theism at all because he wouldn't be able to do that <laughs> <laughs> um, or else you're, you're now backtracking if on he, what you said yesterday t- when you are
5: talking <laughs> uh, this guy God, really wants to talk to himself doesn't he
0: God, <laughs> if God had a plan for the future that's not open theism
5: God, God must be impotent God, okay. God, God can't reasonably expect people to sin <laughs> that's not open theism yeah, God can't
0: expect people to do things uh, God I I, th- I I seriously think I dealt with this guy, and I think this guy like made the argument that yeah, God has to be like completely ignorant if the future is not set. Like God is just like surprised by
5: everything happening. Like,
0: oh, it's He Has,
5: to, he has to be more ignorant than we are.
0: Yeah, he has got to be like in a constant state of shock. I think James White does this when he, uh, James White did a video on that mass shooting. That was in Las Vegas that the government never gave us any answers about. Remember that one? Yeah. Um, and James forget. White, he he did uh, he he did a little episode on that in which he is critiquing open theism. I, if I'm if I'm piecing my memories together right, in which he's like, oh, an open theism, God surprised about this mass shooting, like, oh, I don't know what's what's happening here, like, what what world do you live in? What <laughs> what world is this? Is your audience, are they buying this, that this is an accurate depiction of uh, what God would be like in open theism if God were truly as described in open theism? God would just be in a constant sh- state of wonder and shock? Like, what? A shooting? A mass mass shooting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, their, uh, their, their whole outlook on life is, is just crazy to me. It's just... I I don't think they're operating in the real world, and they're they're so they so much care about their philosophy that they throw all
5: their common right. sense out the window. And Which, I think they and it's it, so funny to listen too because they always say that you know God is really expressing himself in a different way in the text here let me tell you the real way he is god could express that he's not he is no more limited to express it the way you're doing it than you are <laughs> but he never chooses to do that very interesting <laughs> yeah, very interesting how the text always
0: says exactly opposite of what you believe about right or and you always is. have
5: to you always have to re-explain it it'll because because you're just lesser than than they are, I
1: guess, in understanding what the meaning is. Think about how, like, he knew you, and I'm like, well, how long ago did he know you? And you had no clue, but now you're talking about how he can see, you know, forward thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Do you, do you see well, a lot of consistency?
2: He had a plan, <laughs> <Okay>. and <laughs> given that he is
1: all powerful, It's like Smokey S- no, no Do you have plans for tomorrow?
0: <laughs> how can you have plans?
1: Could the, could the plan have failed? No, well, unless he decided <laughs> that he didn't want to do it for something. Well, but but if he doesn't have actual control, I mean, so so here's
0: another thing they'll do it's like, uh, if if God was truly as described in open theism, then God couldn't accomplish anything. So if God says mm-hmm. that uh, he's going to bring Jesus to earth around 6 BC. And uh, have them live a ministry and probably die in some capacity. God's incapable of bringing that to pass. God, God can't do right.
5: that. They have an absolutist thinking that if God doesn't, if God respects free will, he respects all free will in all ways, and therefore never acts in any meaningful way. Like that's not that's not the argument. <laughs> it's like God can. There's- there are shades of gray. <laughs> uh, so th- there's there's a
0: Bob inyard debate where Bob is debating Gene Cook. And my favorite part of the debate is where Gene Cook's like, how did God know the rooster's going to grow? Three times. And, and, and Bob Inert says, you know, God can do some things. <laughs> And 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 G Cook's like, oh, that makes me feel better. He's like, yeah, you're at you're, Bob Eater treats it like <laughs> it should be treated. Yeah, you pretend like uh, God can't do things. You, you, you don't think God can do things. You, you don't. And in the, in the comments, there's Calvinists who are like, oh, these open theists. They say God can do things. Oh, these guys are they're terrible. The diminished feud of God. No, Calvinist, you're the one who thinks God can't do things. It's like
1: God is powerless. And we see that here with our, our buddy here, Smokey Sate. I mean, and, and if he does, can't actually see, and I mean, could he have made a wrong prediction? I mean, what if he predicted, <laughs> you know, Jesus to be born in an area that had been taken over by a king? You know, what if, uh, I, I mean, you know, what he if, if um, what if he had. I'm sorry. I mean,
5: was was it not an area that had already been taken over? Yeah, no, like, it, they were under like, Roman occupation. That's literally what's been what was going on at the
0: time. Yeah, so all sorts of how how can God pick a place for Jesus to be born? How how, how on earth can anyone think if, that God could do
5: that? What if the place is different in a hundred years? <laughs> What?
4: Oh, so I, I
0: one thing that's really funny is there's times in the bible where god says things are going to happen and those things don't happen and so when when you're dealing with like a calvinist or something they always want to they want to focus on the times that god said something's going to happen and then it happened and uh-huh. uh but but they they, they don't seem to want to talk about those instances in which the thing God said would happen, didn't happen. Like 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And then they'll just start throwing up red flags everywhere. They'll be like, yes, but the conditions changed. And I'm like, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, they did. And so the thing that God said would happen did not in fact happen because the conditions changed. And so literally like if, uh, if let's let's say Bethlehem was was a prophecy in the Old Testament that must come true. It must be in Bethlehem, and then Jesus was born somewhere else. He was born in Nazareth or something like that. And uh, they would come to the text and they'll say, "Well, it says this, but then this happened, and so then this is the reason why he's born in this other place." Yes, yes, that is why. <laughs> yes, the, if there are reasons that the prophecy did not come true. Yes, that is that is true things changed, circumstances changed. you're not proving your argument. you're proving the opposite that God reacts to events and then it's always after the fact that they're going to explain it away so it still kind of fits their theology they don't they don't have to deal with it. But yeah, God says things are going to happen that don't happen. Uh, Israel defeating their entire uh, their all their enemies in the promised land never happened. It did, did not happen. God said without fail, it would happen. And they'll say, Yeah, but Israel was uh evil. And then then God left them there to <laughs> Yeah, the Bible actually says that God left them there to test Israel to see what's in their hearts, you know? And so that, that's an acquiring information but they'll yeah. say, Well, they, they didn't they didn't follow God, and so that's why those people are yes yes <laughs> yes that is true things changed and then the thing that god said would happen did
5: not happen well uh, it's funny is that that kind of reveals a mindset where they they functionally they operate in the present they act as presentists but then occasionally they have to like hold back and start talking about god being holier than that anytime they they're forced to to sort of relate it to god himself they completely reverse track. But every time they're just trying to just read the text and interpret it, they start behaving like open theists.
0: <laughs> it, because uh, uh, basic Calvinists don't believe their own theology. This is, I've, I've been on Facebook. Anytime they post a meme, like making fun of Arminians, they're like, uh, here, here's here's an Arminian trying to save himself. And they show a guy doing something. It's like, you don't believe that. You believe that God is controlling that guy meticulously to act in that manner this is God's doing. Why? Why are you blaming the man? Or P, then they they post people uh, making fun of Armenians for believing in free will. It's like no, they didn't have a choice in it. Why? Why? Who are you mocking here? Are you mocking <laughs> them? Or are you mocking God? You, they they literally no, do it's, not it's, believe It's their own God theology.
5: mocking God.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's in, like well, in reality that's another thing I'll do. I'll I'll post uh, when, when they start complaining about something, I'll say, who are you man to reply to God? (laughs) And then then they get a little bit triggered. It's like, didn't God do this? So who are you to say that it's bad? (laughs) James White, uh, he's, he's against abortion. Well, don't you think God ordains every abortion that happens for his greatest glory? Who are you, James White, to reply against God? Who are you, James White, to uh, say that God making little kids uh, take hormone suppressant therapy is is a bad thing? James White, do you believe your own theology? You don't. You
1: don't believe your own theology. You would have changed the king. Oh, so now you're a, you're a Calvinist?
3: <laughs> no. Okay.
2: <laughs> you another thing, I'll that.
1: Yeah. Is oh that no, but look what, what awesome. you've done. Oh no no no! Look what you've just done. You've just made God culpable for micromanaging reality to get exactly what he wants out of it. Welcome <coughs> oh, back to Calvin.
4: What? What?
2: <laughs>
1: he will change whatever he All needs or to, nothing. or they're wants
0: to, or whatever. Absolute
2: to make things that that is going to happen.
0: He says, "I have declared." So he, yeah, yeah. What they'll do is uh, if they're d- in, interacting with you about free will or something, and they they have God doing something like. Like, let's say there's a, a king, and we'll just call him King Nebuchadnezzar. I'll just pick a random name. And uh, God wants to humble him. And then God turns him into a raving lunatic wild man for years on end until the guy repents. They'll say, see, that was a violation of free will. So open theism is wrong. What?
5: what, what what's open yeah. theism's
0: claim? That God cannot do things. I guess I guess that is the open theist claim, that God can't do things.
5: Anything. i mean i wonder if, like if say you're just trying to walk to the store and i push you out of the way onto the ground did i violate my your free, free... will <laughs> <laughs> i stole your free will so therefore i guess i'm god <laughs> micromanaging your decisions <laughs>
0: gravity violates
5: my free will but my free true, will too. wants
0: me to fly through the
5: it's sky just like, it's not practical i don't know what i think what he's trying to do is get as many gotchas as he can and he's just pulling it out of his butt no no it's it's not
0: i I don't think it's pulled out of his butt i think they got a list because i've heard all these things before and they just run through these objections as if they're real objections they they don't have any up it's it's there's no common sense no common sense at all they've just heard this list of objections i think they're operating with a lot of cognitive dissonance they they need open theism to be wrong they don't have any practical arguments against it and so they have to build this 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 crazy reality that no one lives in and demand these absolute standards that that no one no one affirms god can't do things god can't get a roast rooster to crow three times
5: that's <laughs> that's beyond god's
0: scope oh that violates I mean- so much will
5: I mean, it's like they're living with roosters all the time in that area. Roosters crow in the morning; they crow three times every day. Like, the, the prediction is really just saying before the end of the night is over. Yeah, <laughs> just, you don't even have to make the rooster. Crow. And if God
0: wanted to make a rooster crow, he could. <laughs> I, I I don't. I I don't think God, who created the world and the universe and a roosters, uh, he he might. It might not be too much of an issue to get a rooster to crow. That, that might, maybe. And I will do. Another thing about that, let's say Peter repented. So if we're talking about Peter denying Jesus three times before the rooster crows, uh, let's say he repented. Then, then the Calvinist would come to the text and say, he repented. So therefore it didn't come true, just like Nineveh. So uh, 40 days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Nineveh was not overthrown and it didn't come about. And they say, look, he repented. So even if Peter didn't deny God the the three times, they would have an excuse for why it didn't happen. Built in, circumstances changed. That's the open theist argument. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: This thing didn't have to come true. And so to point to the thing coming true as your evidence against open theism, is a bad argument it's it's not being consistent with how they treat the rest of the bible (laughs) what's the old saying if if uh they have inconsistent standards if they didn't have inconsistent standards they wouldn't have any standards at all
1: arnold benjamin arnold (laughs) (laughs) all right well um maybe someone else praise do you want to chime in on some of this i yeah uh,
6: i actually have a clip i'd like to show it's only a minute from yeah go for it
2: absolutely
5: So it is a four versus one. For Bob. This is for Bob, baby.
2: Did you read all those verses, Smokey?
1: I did. Yep. I don't know who this Bob is. There were a couple of them that I had typed in the chat. Yeah, I I think a couple of them were right. Yeah, I think a couple of them might have not been right. Yeah, I was a little confused on a couple of them. Um, I think the Mark (laughs) one for sure. Uh, Okay,
3: yeah, praise. Go ahead. There's a theology today that is making inroads into the Christian church called the openness yeah, of this God. Yeah, William Lane Craig here. It claims that God cannot and You've does not foreknow right? the free acts yeah, of human beings yeah. and therefore can only guess at the future. He's said to be a God who takes risks, who gambles, and who sometimes loses. I always
0: think of the book uh, Wild at Heart. Did you ever read Wild at Heart? That's that Elridge book. Didn't. You know, it was it was really popular in like the 90s. Everyone's like, this is the best book about God. It's about raising young boys to be manly boys and taking risks. And uh, there was a passage in it where it's like, God t- takes risks. But I'm not one of those open theists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, okay, in what way does God ha- take risks? I don't know. I,
3: I, I don't know. But the passion predictions, such as the ones we've looked at today, show that openness of God theology is wrong. Jesus knew and knew insufficient detail that it couldn't have been guessed exactly what was going to happen to him during that week in Jerusalem. Openness of God theology, therefore inevitably depreciates the person of Christ. In the story of the triumphal entry, we see disclosed Jesus' sense of lordship as he directs events toward their foreseen ends. Wait, directs them or knows them already?
0: So one thing about the Bible that you're going to, atheist George Smith, uh, he, he takes a big problem with the Bible, how the Bible uses prophecies. So it says uh, Jesus is going to be nailed on a tree, and there's a reference in the Psalms, and you turn there, and it's just David talking about some other thing completely. And so yeah. there's there's no face value obviousness that it's like a it's future a pro- prediction or something.
5: Yeah, it's actually the vast majority of the so-called prophecies about what happened to Christ are, are more like um, what do you call them? Analogies? Par- parallels, I'd say. Parallels, yeah. so Fulfillment doesn't necessarily have to mean that some prediction was made in the past and then it was fulfilled later. It, it means that it parallels. And, the, and like 90% of the things said about Jesus in the New Testament is that like it's so bad that anyone who is uh trying to be convinced that this was a prophecy if they ever just looked at the before and after they would think you're selling them a, a lie because it you would n- never in any sense use those as a prediction and you wouldn't even have any hermeneutic to say that why isn't this other thing that was a I don't know a parallel why wasn't that related to jesus it's, it's purely that something that happened to jesus had happened in a similar way to someone in the past that it was a reference that's a yes. parallel so
3: there,
0: there's like, the ancient roman book that the parallel lives that talk about parallel lives of different people just drawing analogies and and comparing yeah. people and so I think that's what's going on. So when when William Lane Craig here says that all these things are specifically stated, he's he's most likely referring to these things where David says, oh, "My bones aren't broken." And uh, you know, I, and you turn to those passages, and it's not about Jesus, it's just a drawing a parallel. And so William Lane Craig is overstating his case and assuming right. that these Old Testament references function in his specific way which it's not obvious from the original context
5: well yeah it's not only not obvious but if you were if you were to go up and say look these prophecies prove that they knew about jesus if you look at that you would think that it's a snake oil salesman unless you understand it as parallels it seems like you'd be dishonest to people
0: yeah sometimes you're reading the bible and you're like look at this argument that argument's not not a good argument it's it wouldn't work on a a normal functioning person just using our standards of reasoning logic and proof but uh we'll go on and see what they say wait
6: i'll go back hold on finish Therefore,
3: scene ends
6: that's too quick hold on let me get back Jesus'
3: sense yes. of lordship as he directs events toward their foreseen ends
2: so the foreseen like end. at the end he directed the event That's what I would say
6: so Bob are you familiar with the the term uh, pro Genosco? Progenosco. Do you know? Are you familiar with that term? I was getting
0: beat up about this. You word. mean prognostic? That's what <laughs> <laughs> I was saying
6: well, no, there's actually, it's the word progenosco means foreknowledge. It means before. Pro means before. Genosco means knowledge. What do you make of that?
0: Knowing something beforehand.
6: Mm-hmm. So there you go. No, no, <laughs> that's I'll,
0: again, again, that's not how the word's used. The Jews foreknew Paul which means they were familiar with him in the past. They grew up with him. They knew him from the beginning, which is from his youth. They've been familiar with him, and they've been acquainted with him in the past. And so that it's another linguistical trick. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, we, we, we take this prefix, it means before, and this knowledge. So it means knowledge of something before it happens, or or uh, being familiar with something previously. It, right, right
5: right so it matters how you um like like the problem you have is that because of the historical tradition foreknowing has meant a certain thing right that's not but you got to understand how the word was used at the time you don't there's a there's a whole history of christian tradition which changed the way that you use words and then they use that as a gotcha again when in fact they're not using it in the right context.
0: Yeah, like Joel Hoffman even points out that the word the the word structure doesn't necessarily mean the word origins don't necessarily mean what you want to want them to mean. For example, in the Bible, in the King James, for example, it uses the word let. Do you know what the word let means means in the in the King James? If someone lets something, that means they stop it. Like, I I think it's like (laughs) tennis when you let the ball, it's it's a stopping of the ball. And so the word usage has changed over time, whereas the New King James is not going to be using that word. He also uses the word stationary. Stationary, we think of letters and papers, but the word origin uh, came about because the monks would sell this uh, paper and other supplies at a stationary desk. And so the the word origin doesn't necessarily correlate with with what the word means and how the word's used. So you really need to look at context to try to determine meaning. E- even if the word makeup, even if you could go say, well this word comes from this word, doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily mean what what we would try to pull out from those words. Mm-hmm. And uh uh, it's funny. In, in uh, Spanish, they always used uh, "embarrassado" as one of those near cognates where, where uh, in English, we might think that it means embarrassed, but it means pregnant, something like that.
6: That's simple, man. Like, why are you going to these levels, my friend? Like, this is craziness. If God knows something beforehand, that means it's known beforehand.
0: So So, so notice the certain type of knowledge that they want to. So the knowledge they want is direct access to propositional truth value of an object. And so in in their mind, so let's say you're dealing with computers. If if you're doing computer programming, you, you have a program and it's filled with objects. And objects have various properties, Boolean properties. Like let's say you're in Visual Basics. You can make a window visible or not visible. So that's a property that you can toggle. Uh, you can make it uh, true or false, enabled, disabled. And so reality in their mindset is just a collection of objects and with a propositional truth value of yes or no. And God has direct knowledge, direct access to that propositional truth value of all objects in existence. This is their idea of knowledge. And so that knowledge is not falsifiable. It's not like um, I can owe... Uh, there's a red car, and then that red car it doesn't actually exist. The, the knowledge is direct access to the object itself. It's not even tangential knowledge. So I know a red car exists because it's filtered through the air to my eyes, and my eyes interpret the data. God's knowledge <clears throat> must be direct access to these truth values of these objects. And so God can't be wrong because because he's got that direct access there there can't be a medium in which god filters information and it can't be approximate knowledge either and it can't be a knowledge that of that's a loose definition i know that i'm going to tickle one of my girls today you know what and let's say it comes true no one's going to say that i didn't know that that's that's not how we use the word knowledge it's not direct acquisition. or direct direct access to a truth value of a proposition. It's, you know, did he have adequate reason to believe that that would come true? Did he have the capability to make that happen? Was that a probable event? And then did that event happen? And that's how we categorize whether or not someone knows the future. And so to, to use their and their philosophy, their philosophy has to work in a very specific way that's counterintuitive. We don't have We don't have direct experience with this type of knowledge that they want, that that they try to ascribe to God of direct access to truth value of propositions, object-based knowledge. Is that making sense to you?
5: Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, It's a very binary way of thinking. Everything is either on or off when most of the world, until you get to the very fine granules, is is analog. Like quantum mechanics is is basically a notion of um, binary. But it, the binary is so tiny and so numerous that it basically turns most things into an analog way of interpreting. And that seems to be like how we know most of anything. We, ha- we, we know because we know the general sense about something. We know that the rooster is going to crow three times because roosters crow three times every day. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a good example. So we know the rooster is going to crow tomorrow because you know what? We got a pattern of evidence that we've we pieced together. And so God's knowledge of the future can't be like that. And if it is like that, we can't call it knowledge in their system. In their system, if God's knowledge is the same way that our knowledge works, then God doesn't actually have knowledge. And furthermore, they're going to force the, their definition of knowledge into the debate to the exclusion of Bob's Bob's normal common sense understanding of how knowledge works and operates. So,
5: so what's funny about the um, Jesus saying that Peter will deny him three times before the rooster crows is that like, it's obvious the rooster is going to crow. That was not even something that requires special knowledge. The special <laughs> knowledge was just requiring that Peter was going to chicken out when people challenged him. Yeah, and then <laughs> uh, that people would challenge him.
0: So th- those are the yeah. two things people need to recognize this guy and challenge him. And uh, then that all has to happen in a certain time frame. Right. And if it doesn't happen, guess what? Uh, Jesus just warned him and uh, it was a warning and he reformed himself.
5: (laughs) Right. Right. He'd do a Hezekiah instead. Yeah. It's,
0: it's, it's non-falsifiable. Their, their arguments, if, if it would have turned out differently, it wouldn't have been their argument. It's, even if the it would have been if it turned out differently, it wouldn't be proving their model incorrect.
2: Mm-hmm. He knows, my boy. Well, knowing <laughs> before he can is not the same thing as knowing from before the foundations of the world. <sighs> Absolutely. That, are, is, are you like quoting
1: earth. a verse to say that you don't believe that verse? like it was it was decided before the foundations of That's the world, a cheap like, shot the was slain. Like that decision was made before Adam and Eve sinned, before you know anything was created, before all of this stuff. I mean
2: Right. God knew that he was gonna do that. I already told you that he had a plan that he had God can't plan. Uh, he, he had a plan on how he was gonna <laughs> handle sin before he made free will creatures. Yeah, but but
1: yeah. like,
0: I don't think they make them all him like
1: super smart with that. But then he's all like, he can't jump in to micromanage reality, so that that doesn't happen. <laughs> he like he'll micromanage. Them. He'll you say he'll micromanage to get his will right. That's what you said. So like he's if he powerful. makes, yeah. So if he makes a prediction and a prophecy, and and you say, well, if he gets it wrong, he's going to jump in there and micromanage it to make it comes true, right? That's what you said right? Except for the prophecy of Nebuchadnezzar and the city of Tyre. He didn't jump in and
0: micromanage that. He just let Nebuchadnezzar fail. All Nebuchadnezzar's men went bald. And then Ezekiel jumps in and says, okay, you could have Egypt instead as a consolation prize. And and our historical documents show that Nebuchadnezzar never took Egypt either. He was defeated in the Sinai Peninsula and, and retreated. <laughs> and and so they, they want to focus on examples in which things turn out. And But there are occasions in the Bible in which things don't turn out that way.
2: Not that he got it wrong. It's that he said, I'm going to do this, and then he does it.
3: Young man, the prophets have spoken.
0: Dude, I, like, like that's not what I, Okay. Yeah, so Arenic writes the story is entirely based on the present knowledge of Peter's state of mind, it seems to me, the story about the rooster.
5: Agreed, totally. uh,
0: I think so, too. And really funny thing is that uh, in Mark, Mark 13, 32, Jesus says, uh, no one knows the time and the hour, not even not even the sun, he's referring to himself, or the angels, only God. And so Jesus admits not to have all knowledge. And so then you turn to this this uh, instance in which jesus is saying something about what's going to happen in the future and they want to say he couldn't have known this unless he had all knowledge of the future but what we've already established he doesn't have all knowledge (laughs) you got to get some some other model your other model has to be something like god the father communicated to jesus these truths because Jesus didn't have all knowledge as stated before. Jesus was tapping into his latent set-aside attributes that he got to keep, but but on the down low. He, he got to keep omniscience, but it was just like on the down low.
5: What's really funny about their their absolutism about this foreknowledge is that in in reality, any one example would disprove the foreknowledge, uh, or the predestination argument, right? Yeah. Anytime, it was just pre, any one prediction that goes wrong – total disproof but on the on our side you're not really required to have like a a single disproof he can sometimes make a prophecy and it comes true he can sometimes make a prophecy and then change his mind so it doesn't come true it doesn't there's it doesn't actually hinder you either way right they have a fundamentally fragile position whereas we have a, a fundamentally robust one well, yeah,
0: they and they they act as if our system is the one that has the one thing. If God knows one thing in the future, He knows all the future. Like that's that's not how things work. If you see one red car, that doesn't mean all cars are red. It's not, it's not how reality works, and it's it's a projection. It's just got to be just blatant projection. Their model is overturned with one counterexample. They don't want to. They don't want to focus on those counterexamples. They just want to point to random examples of God doing things like God and the open theists are like, what? Yeah. God can do, God can have plans. No, God can't have plans in your model. What? I just told you that God can have plans. No, you don't believe that. I do believe. I just, I just said it. We're we're having a conversation. Do you want to, do you want to believe what I say? Or you just want
1: to go off on, do your own thing. Listen to what I'm saying, because you're, you're trying to answer a different question than what I'm asking you. Your God doesn't know things in the future. Okay. So, because he doesn't know things, he's just kind of making really, really good, educated guesses. Bob, right? push back on it. Sure. Okay. So, so, he's not viewing it from an outside spectrum of time. So, he's just looking inside so time. That's of- one thing we got to do when we're interacting with these people. You can't just
0: give in to their definitions. You need to force them to own what they're actually saying. If they say God has omniscience, force them to own their actual. Their actual position, which is God's omniscience, is ungenerated, non-discursive, eternal, unfalsifiable, and inherent. Like it's, it's, it doesn't come from outside Himself. This is their definition of omniscience. And so, if they turn to a verse in which God knows. The world because he's watching the world well that disproves all sorts of uh, their the basic tenets of what they believe omniscience is god is actually getting generated knowledge from outside himself uh, through objects through mediums it's not eternal and internal and inherently in himself in their own proof text their own proof text to prove this their their theology and so Make them own their definition of knowledge as well. Push back on it. Well, what do you mean by knowledge? Uh, I have knowledge of things in the future. I have knowledge. I'm going to go tickle those girls. I I have a knowledge. I'm going to mow next week because guess what? The grass here grows really fast and I'm always stupid mowing. I hate mowing. It's terrible, but I will be kids? mowing.
5: You have kids old enough to push a no, mower. I, I mow <laughs> the
0: front yard, and then I make the boys mow the backyard.
5: Oh, oh so so when your neighbors can see you, you mow. But <laughs> then you have your kids too. Yeah. Huh. I, I got mowed like shirtless. No, I don't know. Nothing, nothing <laughs> oh, like that. Never
0: mind. <laughs> but that uh, stupid grass is always growing. So I, I, I know these things about the future. Chris, you're assuming the Bible accurately describes reality. Yeah, well, not even that. I my 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 one assumption is that people who wrote the Bible weren't crazy metaphysicists. They they were normal, rational, functioning people that lived in the real world. You, you don't see them focus on on the cares of modern Christianity. You don't see them talking about God is the greatest being imaginable, and and adding all sorts of their little uh, attributes on, and and having uh, big debates on, you know, uh, the type of omniscience—if it's dynamic omniscience or or inherent ungenerated omniscience—they they, they do not care about these things. To them, in their worldview, they, they they're practically minded. God is a person, and uh, my relationship with God. Will have direct results in my life. God will do things for me. I will pray to God, and God will change the course of reality based on my relationship with them. They're practically minded. They they're looking for practical solutions. We have these Romans. These these Romans, yeah, dynamic omniscience. You, you don't. So a lot of open theists will talk about dynamic omniscience, in which I'm gonna pull up Al killers the thing here. They'll talk about, oh, God knows all possibilities in the future, and uh, he's always calculating. No, they didn't talk like that about God. So even some open theists will talk philosophically about God, language not found or cared about in the Bible. They just cared that he was currently watching the world, that he wouldn't let the wicked go unpunished. That was one of their primary concerns. It was a practical concern. It wasn't a doctrinal concern for defining the properties of God. God defining properties is not a biblical concern. God's character, his attitude, how he interacts, what he can do for us in the present. Disposing the Romans. The Romans had come in. Mary says, oh, our, our Savior's coming and he's going to save his people. Save his people from what? The Romans. The, they're oppressors. They're going to liberate the people, do things for them in the present. And so it's 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 really funny to see this, this switch of the primary concerns of the Bible being, being uh, swapped out with very Platonistic concerns, Greek concerns. The Greeks cared about you know, what, what's the substance of God? And you got the Stoics and the Epicureans and the Platonists. And if you read Cicero's On the Nature of the Gods, he, he talks about all these different competing philosophies that talk about, oh, is, is God pure fire? Is God pure air? Um, you know, is uh, they, they cared very deeply about these attributes. And the, these concerns were incorporated into the Christian church as as Christians became more more Hellenized, more Greeks were coming into the church and the, the Jews were getting pushed out of the church there are less Jews Jerusalem falls in 70 A.D Jewish concerns go down the drain and are supplanted by this new generation of Christians who are Greek-minded. what is God what's the, what's the makeup of God uh, what what are the properties that make God God? these are the concerns you see pop up really early and which remain till today remain to the day. Do you think the laity in the medieval times, do you think they cared about the God properties that the intellectuals did, that Thomas Aquinas' did? The laity always tends to be more Jewish minded, practically minded. Oh, we need
1: rain for the crops. We'll pray for rain. And yet he was really, really smart to be like, okay, well, you know, if they fall, you know, I got this plan to like, you know, work them out from from sin. You know, now he also has a whole bunch of prophecies here, and I asked you. I said, "Well, what if he got a prophecy wrong? What if you know where Jesus was prophesied to be born was burnt down or take down from a king or something?" And you said to me that he would exercise his power, he would step into he reality, would do in something to, to make sure the sure that whatever he prophesies would come true. Now, did you say that? Yes or no?
5: Yep. It depends okay. on how important you think so the now, prophecy what you've is. Done too. is
1: you've just absorbed the Calvinist God. It's your main thing. <laughs> you frame. just so described all, all or nothing. Is all or when nothing. God w- so if
0: God does some things, must be Calvinism. That's the Calvinist God. The Calvinist, the Calvinist position is God does some things. If you believe God does some things, you're Calvinist. Basically, you, you got to accept everything else that Calvinism teaches too. And so this, this is incredibly disingenuous. Calvinism teaches God controls, like if you have diarrhea, the diarrhea splatter pattern on the inside of your toilet bowl, God meticulously controls that. Everything to, to the most minute object, most insignificant thing. Someone making up a new word and sputtering it. Uh, my my kids falling down and crying. My kids uh, just you know, laughing and playing every movement of their figures, you know. Uh, everything, everything. James White said, like the bullet trajectories of those those bullets were controlled by God, and the Las Vegas shooting that uh, we still don't know anything about motivations or government. FBI, where's my FBI agent? <laughs> Let me know. Tell me, FBI agent, whoever's FBI agents watching this broadcast, they're probably going to now. And I got flagged in the Facebook filters.
5: One <laughs> thing was having this funny too about this foreknowledge is like the, the closest analogy you can get to with uh programming everything in in meticulous detail is someone just creates a s- sort of simulation world on their computer they don't ha- they in principle could find out at any given time what the diarrhea splatter was on your toilet because of the way that the whole simulation has been predetermined but he doesn't have to he can he can technically know everything without it being in the active in their mind
0: that actually is that's a really good point uh that God must have active control as well in, in their system it can't be this uh, passive let things play out without a current active present knowledge at all times mm-hmm.
1: plan of how to redeem reality He wasn't able to come up with a plan to mitigate the sin that was going to happen. You have the same problem of evil problem that the Calvinists do. You have solved nothing.
2: I don't see how
0: (laughs) there is a problem.
1: Okay. God, God, before the foundations of the world, predicted how he would deal with sin. So
0: the Smokey's problem, his biggest problem is that he's making all sorts of claims for Bob's system that Bob has never claimed. Mm-hmm. He's saying you 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 have to believe this and Bob's like I don't believe this. He's like no, you must believe this. And Bob's like what are you talking about? And uh Smokey goes through his his big justification and Bob's just listening.
5: Right? So so why people can accuse you of doing the same thing to Calvinists when you go through the divine attributes, that they only believe half of the divine attributes, right?
0: Well, so here's the thing. So in, on the God is open webpage, which Facebook hates and has banned the new links to, um, in when when I have the, the verse quick reference, every time I quote a Calvinist verse, I take a Calvinist quote and I, I link it to that. And so I'm actually responding to legitimate real arguments made by influential Calvinists and what they actually say about those. So then that that that's how you minimize the straw manning. So that doesn't mean Cal- Calvinists are universal in, in what they say. Uh, there's people like... What, what is it? Uh, Bruce Ware, who says, oh, God has emotions. And then people like James Dwezel will say, if you believe that, you're basically an open theist. And Dwezel <laughs> will call him out. You you're believe in theistic mutableism, Mutal- mutableism, mutableism, theistic mutableism. You're basically an open theist for believing things, these things. So it's, it's not necessarily monolithic. And people do have their their uh, their contradictions. Their God is immutable, yet God has passions. You're like, nah, I, don't, I don't think those two work together. I don't think those two work together. Oh, maybe you could try to accuse me of doing it with uh, Molinism, because Molinism, they, they claim to be misrepresented by my claim that their system must entail that all things are predestined. Do you know what Molinism is? I used to. I forgot. I forgot. Okay, so Molinism is the idea that uh, the future is not fated because God knows all probabilities and possibilities and has created the world in such a way that this one one set of circumstances are going to play out, and so because there were other options, um, that, then then God's not responsible for sin or or things aren't fated because there were at some point or there are the when they, they see the world as object based as well. And so there's a property and the property has contingent or necessary toggle, and they see all events in reality as optional. Whereas I argue that their system must entail that all objects are necessary because you have God creating God's a necessary being in their system. And so his creation of the world must have been a necessary, necessary creation, right? Because if it's not, then you're adding potentiality into God. God has potential to be different. God's not a necessary being, and so if if his creation of the world is is optional, if he could could have created these other worlds, uh, then you add uh, you add that into him, and plus the fact that they believe that he's he's never not had this omniscience of all future events so william lane craig states there's never a time where like god made a decision to actualize the current world because that would imply gaining knowledge william lane craig says there's a logical priority in god's foreknowledge that god's knowledge of the entire future logically in a logical uh, chronology comes after god and god's decision to create but since in the logical priority it's after those then it can be contingent rather than rather than co-necessary with god so that's they they try to build this logical system instead of chronological but i point out if god never didn't know this world's going to be created and this world was never not going to be created in the way that this this world actually turns out that makes everything necessary despite what you say about other possibilities. And to try to make this argument in my video on Molinism, I use all William Lane Craig's definitions, his definition of what it means to be necessary, his definition of potentiality. And using their own definitions, then I try to build the case that in their their system entails that all, all events are necessary events. There, there's no there, there was never a time where God could have created a different world. He could have never created me with uh, white hair. He could have never created me with black hair. He, these although these are the things we can imagine, just the fact that God always knew how this world was going to be created and then created in, in that way he's forced to do that because if it could have been different then his knowledge is not his knowledge is not the type of knowledge that they're defining. So that's what I try to do. I, we might be getting a little bit off topic,
5: right? I kind of want to discuss it, but I don't think it's appropriate to discuss here.
0: Yeah, okay. So that's just a quick. I to handle it we'll in a way where there was thing. no sin, because he wanted free will
2: creatures that would love him.
1: No, that was okay. an excellent question. That act, no, actually, that's that's an answer that I would give. He's actually not even far off. That that's actually a very similar. I would give yes. So reality has to be structured in such a way so that he is able to express love to a free-thinking creature who's actually able to express love back, right? Right. Okay, perfect. So why do you need to assume and take it to the level that he doesn't know what's going to happen? How would he know the cross was going to happen if um, if, he's, if it's not? Uh, if it's- yeah, that's a good point. How did he see so far in the future to know that the freaking Romans you were going to stick him up on a, on a cross, yeah, you, have to- uh, you know, you have- tree?
2: You have to make Calvinism true for this to work because now you have to say
1: he made them kill it's yeah. so, Micromanaging reality. Bro. Okay,
0: not- let's let's roll with their example. So their example is
5: like, like we've already discussed this actually.
0: Right. Uh, so but we'll we'll do it. We'll okay, so we'll we'll say the Old Testament, we'll just pretend. Okay. We'll put on our pretending caps. And uh the Old Testament describes Jesus, Jesus coming in 6 BC, Jesus dying about 30. Uh, Let's say it also describes the Romans. (laughs) The Old Testament, uh, you know, is is well known for talking about the Romans. Uh, (laughs) We'll say that there's some sort of cross. And then we'll say that there's like a crucifixion and and a betrayal. We'll add all those things together. Um, We'll pretend the Old Testament talks about all those things. How might God do that? Does God have to... Their their only answer to this is God must control all things. I don't I don't know about that. How about how about if God's deciding when Jesus is born, he could just I don't know the, the six AD is pretty good to hit. <laughs> um, Israel was conquered by the Romans in 680, so God wouldn't have even had to have uh, a, a specific time frame in mind or anything like that. Um, there's no 6 AD prophecy. We could even pretend that there was a 6 AD prophecy, and so the, God sees this this people group called the Romans, and there He's He entices them. He says, "Hey, go take over this Israel place because it's a fertile place. It's right between uh, you know Turkey and and Egypt, and it's a good thoroughfare. He could entice the Romans to take over the country, and then he can he could grab a peasant lady and birth Jesus. Uh, there, I think there's plenty of peasant ladies going around. I don't think. I don't think there's any Mary prophecies. Like there's going to be a lady named Mary who has Jesus. Mm -hmm. He grabs a random peasant lady, give birth Jesus. And then uh, he could uh, tell Jesus how to do things in such a way that the oppressors want to kill him. And so the crucifixion, how, how could God force Jesus to be put on a cross? Huh? Well, he could have inspired someone maybe, to build a cross and to torture people in that way i mean that's not uncommon form of torture putting people on poles or trees or something like that so it's god could have if god had a modem uh, just any little bit of power god can make this happen and a betrayer you it's easy to find betrayers so their only explanation for how this could all happen is God controls all things. God knows all future events, and God controls all things, and those two things are linked. I I don't think that's the only possibility. There's there's really complicated plans that people pull off with less power, a lot less power.
4: Yeah, was,
5: I think what it comes down to what the, the the fundamental problem they have is that. You can't really use any events to prove the, the Calvinist case because there are just so many different ways you can fulfill whatever prediction that that there is, right? But there's a, you can in one example you can disprove it. So Calvinism would have to rely purely on God saying certain things about Himself definitively to demonstrate their point. That's the only way that they would ever actually prove their case. Uh, the problem that they have is that. God doesn't talk like them, and they're always saying that God has to lip down to the people he's trying to talk to to pretend he doesn't believe that.
0: Their only problem is they have zero evidence for their belief.
5: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Their their
0: only problem is the Bible in no way teaches their their theology, so then they have to turn and say, did you see this passage about this rooster crowing? Ah, (laughs) ah, Calvinism must be true. There was a rooster who crowed, After Jesus said the rooster would crow. How do you explain that? (laughs) How does that work? The free will of the roosters violated in your system. You say. You claim that no roosters could ever be forced to crow against their will. Mm -hmm.
1: What? 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 (laughs) Calvinist. (laughs) You
2: make uh, make God uh, make the cross happen. Because we know the cross was going to happen before the foundation of the world. That's a given. And if you didn't know it, if you didn't know everything else that would happen, how is that a given? Unless, like you said, he forced it through. Now you've got all that being uh, necessitated. Which Bob, is a a time for, and time for, again, has uh, said God can force things through. So now you got sin as a necessity, and you
1: you totally clobber free will. The end, over. The end, Wait, over. How is free will clobbered? You, you've turned God into a predeterminate being who's predestined to everything, including the cross, <laughs> and that means that He had to manifest it, had to structure reality. All right, so we're that gonna that skip forward. To ever we'll since the 45 beginning, which it. you, <laughs> you listen to this at all? No, no. no
0: I never listened to this. It's a six hours this It's six hours. It is six hours. Guys, so yeah. we can, we'll skip over there. <laughs> Let's see what they're talking about now. Uh, and I'm just
7: Wait. So, what? What? What exactly? uh So, you just try to get a better understanding of open theism? Uh Is that is that what the conversation is about? We'll now, no, some
5: random guy.
0: They're feeding stuff well, I, too. Yeah. But here's a guy in their comments, uh, who actually is giving verses. So, betrayal for thirty pieces of silver. He points to Zechariah 12. So, do you do you want to? We'll, we'll pull that up. pull that up do you want to make any predictions about this uh prophecy it's it's about two different people Zechariah 11 12 then i said to them if it seems good to you give me my wages but if not keep them and they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver
5: it's not even about betrayal, <laughs> <laughs> it's about wages, it's about paying somebody for, for his work. <laughs> okay, so let's we'll, we'll
0: go back a little bit. And I took my staff favor and I broke it, annulling the covenant I had made with all the peoples, and so was annulled on that day. And the sheep traders who were watching me knew that it was the word of God. Then I said to them, and then that verse plays out, Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter the lordly prince at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Then I broke my second staff union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. Oh yeah.
5: Yep. The 30 pieces of silver were predicted. What a prediction. <laughs> like really, if you, if you don't think of it in terms of parallels, you just sound like a lunatic trying to prove this to it's anyone. It's like,
0: hey, hey, this, this thing happened Judas. He he got thirty pieces of silver, and that was a prophecy from the Old Testament. The guy's like, "Oh wow, that's actually pretty amazing that that hundreds of years can elapse and and they had the exact number of pieces of silver." And uh, none of these none of these quantities are like estimations or or just using. They use the same
5: coinage for everything.
0: Oh yeah, it, it's it's the the thirty pieces being referenced in the New Testament is not written as thirty piece. It's like they counted it out. And uh, Judas, uh, it, it was like well, known knowledge that it, it ex- is exactly thirty coins rather than a forced reference to the Old Testament. Okay, uh, show me this verse. And then you switch back to Zechariah. Like, what are you talking about? What, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. what, what? What? What's happening? So I understand George Smith, um, and he wrote "Atheism: The Case Against God." I understand his frustration. With Christians, uh, there's a, there's a youth pastor in college who didn't like me. He hated me, and he handed out this big sheet of like uh, 250 prophecies about Jesus that came true. And it's like you're reading through them. You're like, what? Did, what I don't. Well, what is this? I. Did? And he, so these people do exist, and I understand George H. Smith's frustration with them because none of these prophecies are prophecies. None of them. It's. The Jews were expecting a Messiah, and they were expecting God to do some things in in certain ways. Yes, they were expecting a near apocalypse uh, where where God would come back, he would judge the wicked, he would bless the righteous, and establish a righteous kingdom. Those are their general expectations. And so then they started pointing to phrases from the Old Testament to try to give them hints and clues as to how that would come about. Uh, maybe, maybe Bethlehem. Maybe Bethlehem is a noted city in the Old Testament. Well, that's a good place for the Savior to be born, and and so that that's how they did theology. They didn't do it as if everything's these these uh, what Nostradamus predictions. There's going to be a line that runs through the city, and then that's a reference to like World War II or something like that. I don't know if you've ever watched anything on Nostradamus. Just. Terrible documentaries. That probably... Oh yeah, they are. It's like you Nostradamus know, predicted World War II because he talked oh. about this line under the city, and and during World War II they they hid in the railways under the city. Like what? Are you <laughs> what? <laughs> so, Irenic says all these prophecies are really parallel accounts events. Yes, yes, these are uh, the... not
5: all of them, but like ninety percent of them are. Yeah.
0: So the the Hebrew mind was that. The world worked cyclist, cyclically, and so there's patterns of events that repeat. And so you can point to past patterns of events as for the truth value of current events. These things happened previously. Therefore, the things that are happening now are also true in, in some sort of fashion. It's, yes,
5: so so like Isaiah 46, I think, could be a real, pro- like an actual foretelling of the future where he, it says he was bruised for our transgressions, by his stripes we are healed. That that's a Christological prophecy. That's not talking about something different.
0: It's talking about Israel. And so if we turn back to those that context, it specifically talks about Israel as that that individual, and that's what modern Jews will claim, and they will very accurately point to the, the previous chapters and future chapters that describe Israel as this individual. But that's probably the strongest claim for a Christological figure. And, what, about,
5: and, what about Daniel's prophecies? What about Daniel's
0: prophecies? Oh, yeah, those those are def- definitely predictive prophecies. The, predictive prophecies, depending on when they're written. But um, in, in the Isaiah verse... Uh, they they did use um, by the time of Jesus they used that as an expectation for what the Messiah would be like and they, so they they did treat it in that fashion although it's not obvious on the face value and and there could be other arguments made so I'm gonna let them play out I'm gonna okay. yeah. I'm gonna run that's off right, real quick I'll be we right back do that that's for sure <laughs> um.
7: Well, I don't know. I mean, I I was just kind of listening in, uh, just trying to make make sense of where everybody is, uh, uh, because I I came in in the middle of Smokey saying something to Bob, something along the lines of that he agrees with some element of Calvinism. So I was uh, was, was trying to figure out, wait a minute, uh, if Smokey is saying that to Bob, that means he's pointing out some sort of inconsistency in Bob's open theism. Right, because the Calvinists uh, vehemently different than the Open
2: Theists. Mm. So, uh, so I was just I curious. Don't know what, if he's deliberately misrepresenting me, but it wasn't misrepresentation.
8: Hello, brothers and sisters. Wasn't intentional, by the way. How are you guys doing?
7: I ain't no sisters in here, but uh, okay.
8: <laughs> yeah, maybe outside in the chat.
2: Lena. Oh, okay. well, yeah. you never can tell. They're not yeah, saying anything important right now. <laughs> no, but I never
8: had a chat. No. Okay. Doesn't lie. Okay. It's not. You know, so, muted? could God say that He will? Oh, I skip forward, for example, and now there's like seven them. people in that chat. You know and I bless them that curse that blessed. Uh, you I just skipped forward again. You know, destroy yeah, yeah. them yeah. that um, Abraham that curse against you. You think God could have lied when He said that? Could have said something that He wouldn't do? I don't think he does.
0: Okay, so uh, this is another disingenuous interaction, and so Calvinists believe that God controls all things. Everything that's ever said, ever, is from God's direct divine decree from all eternity. So every lie, every told, ever told, every lie ever told is directly from God. God has ordained it. He's made it come up about. It's of no private internal instigation of these individuals. God is the father of lies in Calvinism, and for them to say, to ever classify anything open theists say about God as a lie is is uh, typically disingenuous. They'll just say, if a prophecy doesn't come true, then God lied. Well, no, circumstances can change. If I tell my kids, I'm going to bring them to McDonald's, and then they start being whiny, and I say, I'm not bringing you to McDonald's anymore. I didn't lie. That wasn't a lie, and that'd be a that would be inaccurate classification of what just happened. No one's gonna classify that as a lie. So I'll hit play. But could he? I think it's it's I think that
2: it is philosophically possible, but that, that does not mean so possibility is not necessity. he
1: never has, never will, but I think he has the power to do so.
8: Yeah, but the Bible says he cannot.
1: The Bible it's not even
8: it. in his mind, it's not even in his will. He would never do such a thing. I mean, I think this the israelites
2: burning
5: their children alive. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't lie, he just sends people to lie for him. Right. Controls <laughs> so, everyone else to lie. So Samuel's gonna go anoint
0: David. And uh he says, If Saul's guys catch me, they're gonna kill me. And here's here's what God does: He says, All right, Samuel, here's what you do. Um, this this is our way around this. Uh, you'll bring this goat with you, or this, this heifer. You're going to bring this cow thing. And uh, if anyone asks you what you're doing, you're just going to tell them you're going to go sacrifice. And then you're going to go for, to seek out David and anoint a new king. He tells them <laughs> the lie. It's a lie of misdirection, withholding information. I always think about there's that little cartoon where where the guy's talking to this lady at the bar and he's like, "Sure, I came here with that lady, but it's not like we're dating or anything." And the little caption's like, "Technically, I wasn't lying about my wife." <laughs> 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 so it's yeah, he in lying spirits in the, in the Ahab circumstance with First uh, Kings twenty two. He sends lying, deceiving, uh, sir, uh, lying, deceiving spirits, and then even in war. So you, you talk about Gideon, and uh, he, God uses illusions and, and visual trickery to get people to attack each other. He sometimes inflates army sizes. Uh, he, he gives people these dreams to rile them up. And so all these things could be classified as deception in some sense. So it, it's not like it doesn't happen. And so when the New Testament talks about the God who cannot lie, it's just the word used there is not lying, the not lying God. God is classified as not lying. Or the one time that it talks about in which it's impossible for God to lie. That's talking about a specific thing. It's talking about his promise to Israel, uh, his promise to, uh, to Abraham to make him a great nation. The promise that we see reoccurring through the Bible. And that's not very, you don't point out. This one thing that's a particular thing God can't lie on if God cannot deceive anyone in any respect ever in whatever function. It's only special and notable if it's unique, if it—if it's special about the thing you're talking about.
5: It's, it's also inappropriate to think it's a lie because of the way that the language works he makes it clear in jeremiah 18 that many if not all of his prophecies are conditional statements depending on the actions of the people it's which is the same thing as you saying i'm going to take you to mcdonald's they they think it's implied that it's a conditional statement based on their behavior they're not surprised really that you decided not to take them to mcdonald's okay so yeah go ahead they're not going to call you a liar for that it's that what you were saying depended on their behavior.
0: So are you familiar with the time that God takes a conditional prophecy or a, an absolute prophecy or absolute uh, statement and then be- makes it conditional?
5: Uh, How do you make it an absolute statement?
0: Okay. So, so listen to this, this is coming from first Samuel two thirty. Well, it, this is, Eli, Eli and his household, Uh, Eli's sons become evil. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows a little bit about the, the story, but here's what God says. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And so he took a promise which had no conditions on it, and uh, he had promised this. And then things start to unfold in the world, and he sees Eli's wicked. And he's like, "Remember this promise I gave you? What's going to be conditional? I, I I don't care what I said before." He says, "Far be it from me." He says, "Now I will I will act towards you how act you act towards me because this unconditional promise thing's not working out here." Wow. <laughs> So Calvinists, they, they have a hard time with this because, because this is not one of those things where, oh, there was implied conditionals in the mm-hmm. original statement because or else he wouldn't have to change it to a conditional. Right. The, the original statement is a promise. It's absolute. And so I like to turn here and they, they get all flustered. And they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like they'll say, oh, it's conditional. Then why did he add the condition? What was far from him? His promise was far from him i promise this but far be it from me now adding conditions adding conditions it's it's great
8: wait, wait are you actually saying that god lies though or am i misunderstanding what you're saying
2: i think you're misunderstanding god's not lying okay so he never deceives false prophets and he sends spirits to deceive kings but he himself doesn't lie He'll yeah, use he does. other fear.
0: people that are, uh, I don't know. He, he doesn't
2: lie. He has people do it as for him. Perfect as he is. So, things.
8: so, correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, but here you're trying to say that God, if he wanted, he could sin, but he doesn't desire us to sin. Is that what you're saying?
2: If he wanted to, he wanted to, he could.
8: Oh, wow. Oh, well, wow. That doesn't make sense because. If God could sin, well, when he would interact with this creation, he would always sin because of the wickedness that there is. He would be corrupted by oh, that no. wickedness.
0: What? No, what is he, he talking to, about? <laughs> okay, so if if God could sin, here's the claim: if God could sin, bec- and he interacted with the world, then God would always sin because
5: he's guess, interacting with people because the but world. That's is what sinful. he
0: said. Yeah, yeah. And this this is their mindset. It's like you're going to have to walk me through that buddy. <laughs> he
2: cook. he won't want to. He's
3: righteous. And perfect.
8: Well, it's not yeah, even in his mind. The Bible speaks that. that. Will the Bible even speak that it's in the minds of
0: That guy looks nothing like You know the- Bob, he- I don't know I if know. know. <laughs> his <laughs> voice sounds <laughs> nothing like what his like his looks. picture.
5: <laughs> Like, like this, I would. It'd be weird to see that guy in person. If he, yeah, if he's talking, I, I, I hope it's an accurate picture. I, I hope Do that's what the guy. Do you remember the guy who used to work at that Premier Video store? Who was like no. really tall and big, but he would, as soon as he talked, he'd be like, "Thank you very much." I like, <laughs> Whoa! And no recollection. He, it, he, I, it, I don't think he was gay either. That he was like making one of those fay voices. He was just like that was his voice. That he didn't have voice. much.
0: Of the, it does it uh, didn't match up with what he looked looked like. Oh, yeah, it's so funny. So I, I got to hear this guy talk again.
1: <laughs> that you're actually just using the premises of an argument to dodge the conclusion that's what you just did when you talked about the nature of god
8: i mean just for me so that's so just know. crazy to believe that a christian could
5: believe that god could <laughs> i think mean, that's like I would his pastor or something or
0: i would think he's like a young european like a slavic type <laughs> right. guy like right. like it, with his tracksuit
5: on and and uh, crouching but he's, i I've, I bet the Arnold guy isn't the same guy as the picture either, right? So the, well, maybe they're just picking their favorite theologians and put. I, I hope them. so because well, <laughs> I, don't, I can't. I don't recognize
0: that guy. He's just kind of like this yeah. mustachioed, overweight guy with yeah. a I don't a tie that's not all the way up to it. Where a tie would normal. I don't know what's going on there.
5: Yeah, like a youth pastor or something. Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> like an old youth pastor, that's right? <laughs>
0: yeah. One and two
1: yeah the the idea that God can't actually sin is' is is the idea that he can't violate his nature. Like if his nature is good, if his nature is righteous. so here's here's another reason
0: that uh, you know, this is another philosophical argument. Open theists make it too, that God has this nature, and this nature like defines all the characteristics of of how God acts and behaves. And so God can't sin because, that would violate this predefined nature of what god is like which which is thinking in these philosophical terms this the boolean logic type terms where the world is made up of objects and objects have these specific properties that have little bit little toggles on them and since god nature set to no no sin and so if you changed that then god would be a different type of object Argatha er, er, says he's a 16 year old named Will. I hope so. <laughs> well, that might be uh, William or Will or Liam, and he's—I don't know. Could be that. Agora. Oh, he's—that's our guy. That's Bob. Bob Argatha is in the chat. The guy that's been interacting in this in this in the oh in the conversation. I think so. Ah, uh, but that's you, funny. You should- bring him on to comment on well i'll send him the link i don't know huh? let's see uh i have to go find a way to send the link here but that's interesting i i sure hope he's like a 14 year old because his argument makes no sense and uh, so smoky saint thinks that god has this nature that's like inherent in his being and and that he just god can't violate that because that would go against that nature. So, what are your comments on that?
5: I mean, this is actually uh, something that Socrates brought up uh, when he's interrogating people. It's one of the, it's something called Euthyphro's question, which is, is something good because God decreed it to be good, or is it good outside of God? And Socrates is asking this question because he's trying to determine. Um, if if good exists outside of God, then you can't declare that God exists because of morality. But if God, if something is good just because it's part of God's nature, then morality is purely arbitrary. And so this this is the this is basically what they're insinuating. Then that re, that um, God cannot act in contrary to his nature. So whatever he does in any way, shape, or form is good by definition. It means that it's also very arbitrary.
0: Well, well, some people will say, so lying is a category. It's an object. So they believe lies exist as objects out in space, the either. And one of the toggles on that is that lies are sin. And since God's nature over here, the toggle is no sin, then this object here cannot align to God over here. There, there's a disconnect. So I think this is a very wrong picture of how to view the world. So if God is a person, and uh, people are complicated. People have competing priorities. Uh, they, they weigh things in the balance. And if uh, sin also is situational, if sin's not object-based, if it's like there's not an object out in space where this is a lie, toggle on and off. This is a murder, toggle on and off. This is a rape, toggle on and off. So uh, maybe, maybe you're driving a bar and a lady home to get and incapacitated uh, beyond whatever, but you're also, is is that rape toggle? Is that on or off? Uh, what if uh, you're in war, shoot someone? But what if uh, there, there's an enemy who surrenders, but you have no way to get him back to where you staged the enemies, and there's a likely chance he's just going to rejoin the enemy side, and you shoot him? Is that a murder? Is that a toggle on and off? If sin is less of an object uh thing and more of a just a loose classification of the reality that we experience, then you could claim that in certain ways you could classify some of the things God does as as sin. You, you could classify it as that. It's an, it's not an object based existence that Smoky Saint really wants us to have. Does that makes sense. Try
5: th- I, I mean, it's. It, it it's, it's your, it sounds like you're saying that sin is conditional based on circum it's circumstantial. Well,
0: I'm saying that you could go either way with some of these things. And uh is that a sin? Is that not a sin? It it's uh-huh. a it's a it's not it's not objects. It's not a boolean toggle on and off. You classify things based on circumstances and then you ascribe them to whatever. Is God good? Well, some people would say no because uh he killed the malachites and uh and he's wow. done all these things. They'll say, oh, he's terrible. But all of Israel, they would say, yeah, that's pretty good. You, you killed those Amalekites. Good. We didn't like them. They're bad people. That's a good thing for you to do, God. So if if reality works not as an object-based reality, but as everything's defined in looser categorizations, then all this object-based talking about God doesn't actually make sense. It doesn't. It's, it's not a meaningful way to talk about how natures work. God has this nature, which has these properties, which forces God to act or not act in certain ways.
5: What does seem interesting is that if you look at the way the word evil is used in the Old Testament, it, it really looks like a definition of things that bring harm, destruction, despair, that sort of thing and so what God regularly says, "I will bring evil onto you that's what he means he doesn't mean he's going to make them he's not doing something that's evil he, that's that's not what he's saying necessarily that he is being an evil person he just means that I'm, evil is another way of saying I'm damaging you harming you doing make making you suffer and he's doing it because they were wicked
0: pick on and this weird distort. I was like, what the heck is this picture? Then I'm like, oh, that's the, the picture of James White that I made about James White after James White complained that I distorted his head. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was not
9: yeah, I'm here.
0: Uh, that's so funny. Oh, James White's like, this guy, he distorts people's heads. Ah, the humanity. <laughs>
5: What a child!
0: <laughs> uh, so, any comments, Eradic? I've, I've. I assume you've watched a lot of this uh, already with us. Didn't you watch like two or three hours of this already?
9: Yeah, I, I had listened to the thing just about an hour of it. I, you know, you, it was just repeating the straw man like you were talking about. I mean, this, this smoky guy was. I mean, I, I think it'd be great. I, I mean, I, no offense to Bob, but, um, you know probably like you or many of us, we were listening and thinking, man, the, the all these points are so easily answered. It, you know, it's, it, if if you could just, you know, ca- get them to pause and, and let you explain it. You know? but,
0: well, do they pause and let you explain? Yeah, it's, it's probably, a six versus it's one, just, right?
9: You just run them over.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, usually if it's six versus one, um, you, you might not have enough t- time to sit there and explain every single point. Yeah. And the Smokey guy likes to really talk about what he believes. And uh, he really likes to talk about uh, what Bob believes. Here's Bob. Bob's now in the channel. So, Bob, Smokey Saint told you all about what you believe. That's what we've been getting here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said, You believe this. And you're like, No, I don't. And they're like, Yes, you do. You're like, What are you talking about? <laughs> so, and- what were your impressions of uh, this conversation
9: frustration
0: frustration is like you're like can't have plans oh you have to be if god has plans it can't what? what what is this and so I uh, may I I might have if I was in the conversation I would might might have just screamed that out. What are you talking about? That's absolute nonsense. So you might have had great restraint, or maybe maybe you're just not a uh, not a very vocal guy in conversations.
2: No, I can be vocal. Vekel, uh, in particular, the guy in the middle on this thing, uh, he'll he'll get me uh, agitated eventually i don't know if he does in this stream but we've had several conversations and i tend to get uh aggravated talking to him
9: but hey uh, bob he's oh, a
3: of- oh
2: excuse me hey bob do
9: we know each other from google plus days but i mean do you know me ironic plagian
2: i don't know um i didn't start doing like uh, online uh religious interactions until uh I don't know. A few months ago, okay. it just has to
9: do with tackle and uh, G G plus groups that we've been involved in with year for years. You know, so okay, so I was just curious. So you yeah, said our will
0: friend
2: until recently.
0: Yeah, our our will friend. He's not this old dude with a mustache. He's like a young Eastern European. It turns out no, <laughs> that,
2: that old dude with a mustache is uh, one of our friends uh, on our channel that. Uh, lives in New Zealand. His name's Gavin Hurleman. It's just it's the other guy uh, in the oh. chat, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, Gavin's not in here.
3: It, Wait, no it yeah says he is guy, oh. it says Gavin. Yeah he's exactly. on the
2: top yeah. So the guy on the top right is Gavin Hurleman.
0: <laughs>
7: right, okay. Will a has took his a picture <laughs> Will's just. Uh, i like confused.
0: I was like, that'd be the weirdest guy to interact with if that's what he <laughs> looks like and that's his voice. It just do- doesn't <laughs> yeah. doesn't line up. Will's a goofball. Would- <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I'm gonna hit. Also, he's player. not a Calvinist. Oh, okay. So who's not Calvin? Okay, Smokey's a Calvinist. Will is not a Calvinist. How about this Veckle dude? That yeah, is a
2: Calvinist. He's a five-point Calvinist. Smokey uh, says that he's not yeah praise. I'm sure he's sure he's praise
9: not isn't, praise isn't a calvinist though is he
2: praise is not a calvinist right
9: okay
0: all right so uh we're, we skipped forward so i'm not exactly sure what the conversation is about now like did, did you stay for this whole six hours let's let's or did you have to did you bow out at some point um i'm not sure i think uh Dude, this was a while, I remember. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fine. Well, I'll just click a random place. We'll go to the one-hour mark, see and what they're the talking about. The reason that I brought it up
2: is because one of the things that you said, you mentioned that uh, Jesus said that no one knows, not even the son, but the father only. Now, what's interesting about the Galilean wedding tradition is that after the husband proposed, the wife or the, the uh, betrothed woman would then go back and she would stay at her house and she would wear her wedding dress, you know, until the the, the groom comes to get her. now before the, the son doesn't know when he's going to go get his bride. Only his dad knows. His dad has picked a date, was going to pick dates. So the, the son starts building an extension to the father's house. It's the Galilean tradition, the Galilean, Galilean wedding tradition. The son back to his dad's house. He'll start building an extension to the house. And then we just keep
0: working on it. Is that just audio there being choppy? Or is that like uh, just me on my my end?
9: I think that was Bob's signal at the time it was recorded.
0: Yeah. So basically you're, you're telling them that uh, God can make plans that Jesus doesn't have to know about that's the point going on there i ran off usually no yeah you ran
2: off says hey go get your bride and then the son gets up and then he runs out out in the streets and he starts blowing trumpets and then everybody comes out because they know that he's going to go get his bride and it's it's really it's a it's a a really exciting documentary but that was the reason that i brought it up because in the galilean tradition only the father knows when he's gonna send his son to go get
1: that's a nice typology, and I hope you're not saying that that diffuses the actual like you know statements in it. You know, it's just a typology. I think I think th- th- are you diffusing the idea of the statement that the father is saying that when he knows that he doesn't actually know? No, no, I just Deject- think it's awesome. Just checking. Okay. All right. Just checking. All right. Praise, go ahead, bro. You wanted to share something.
6: Yeah. I just want to see how Bob would exegete this passage. It says that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be acquired for this generation. So do you suppose that really doesn't mean that, Bob? Or like how would you exegete this
0: passage? Oh, I'd like to hear Bob's I answer think, on this one. I
2: think it says
0: all the prophets
2: since the foundation of the world, their blood is required of this generation. That's so do you see God
6: is showing that God knew that... He it's, See, God <laughs> understands and knows
0: already
2: this
0: is, before it even happened. Yeah, no, he made, Yeah, this is... He made uh, see, uh, th- here's their argument. You see them referencing all these past events? See, doesn't that prove God knows the future? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I think... He he
2: doesn't bring it up, but internally he thinks that if God can predict anything in the future, if God can state something that will happen in the future and it happens, that means He must have known it perfectly.
0: It couldn't yeah, have this planned even it. This is just this. This is a, a count like you take all the prophets which have died until now, add them up, and that's going to be required of you guys. And th- so they're like they're right. they're reckoning the past events. It's not even about the future.
9: We're just attributing to God an ability to keep track of all the prophets.
0: Can, can God count? Or, or does God even have to count for this? Could it be just like a general uh, summary? Could it be an idiom saying, all the these people who've died, that's going to be on your hands. You're going to have to pay for that. It's not about the future. And so their argument, it seems like on the face value, ludicrous. and And the fact that there's what, six of them, uh, five of them right now in the chat, and none of them, do they ever call each other out on their terrible, awful arguments? Does that ever happen? I, not in my experience. They'll, they'll double down for each other. They'll, they'll protect. Oh, I, I was once, a oh, story I like to tell. I was once interacting with two Calvinists, and the first Calvinist believes that, uh, uh, you know, the entire Bible is consistently teaching Calvinism. The second Calvinist believed that the Bible is progressive revelation, and so how God's described in the Old Testament uh, represented how the people viewed God at the time and didn't necessarily reveal the full picture of God. So, so that second Calvinist would agree with me in my description of what the Old Testament's saying, and that first Calvinist was arguing with me about it. Who do you think that second Calvinist? He came in to defend in the discussion. Well, was it me or was it his calvinist buddy cuz i i'm am te- I'm saying the same things that calvinist number 2 agreed with but i'm debating calvinist 1 and calvinist 2 of course came to the rescue white knighted for his other calvinist friend it's uh, the the intellectual disintegrity is astounding and he was he made a statement then that this generation is
2: going uh to be required the blood of all the prophets they're they're gonna be punished yeah. for good job all of the prophets since the foundation world because they rejected him. So that God foreknew that because the Bible speaking,
8: you know, Romans 9 says uh for whom he also justified, he predestined them. So you guys hear something wrong,
1: wrong mic? Yeah, your mic yeah, is us. T- yeah, yeah, you're a little you're a little roboty. I mean we've been able to hear what you're saying, but it is kind of yeah. Let me
8: try to Leave the stream yard and come back in. Sometime I fix the problem.
1: Yeah, and Bob's exegesis makes no sense to me there. I,
6: that
4: doesn't align <laughs> with me at well, all. <laughs>
6: <another phrase. laughs> one, four, and
4: five.
6: I actually showed this last night, but uh, it yeah.
8: didn't really work. Oh. It, so. I, mean, but I mean, I cannot I believe that Bob doesn't believe Bob. They, that they just is have like a,
5: like, you know, that um, Pavlovian response with the bell, you know? The, where every time you hear the bell, the dog gets hungry because you trained the dog to do that yeah. I think every time they see the words from the foundation of the world, they have a Pavlovian response to yeah, thank Their mouths knowledge. are watering <laughs> They're like, oh,
0: this must be my thing." It's like, <laughs> "What? what is the verse saying? <laughs> what, what is the verse actually saying? I mean, that's, that's hernical at this point So now they're switching to a different verse
1: Well, you know, guys, this is why I try to bring this stuff up when I notice it is because, well, number one, it needs to be addressed. Number two... We, you know, it's good for the community. You know, a lot of people don't even know that these perspectives are out there. And, you know, if, if you're not aware of it, then you're not on guard from it either. And, you know, that that's negligent on our part to not be, you know, aware and to be kind of addressing these things that seem to pop up. And I do pray over this stuff. I ask for God to kind of just put stuff on my radar, you know, as it seems to be addressed or be given focus. And that's just kind of how the channel flows. And this that's is just kind I of where we're at right know, now. But I'm head. hoping that really... No, Number one, it's going to be helpful to Bob, but also. So what we said?
9: That's why I'm also always careful to warn people about Calvinist and Calvinism.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's for the whole, you know, audience uh, to be able to see us unpack it and work through it and see where you know it either succeeds or fails. You know, this is for everyone's benefit. I think it's a massive philosophical failure. And by the way, I these I are really, one of those I statements that come both answer.
9: ways, but people don't you know they don't want to apply it to their own beliefs right yeah no, smoke
2: he's perfect every every bit of his theology is 100 percent, absolutely correct and <laughs> i know Ed, this because if you disagree with him on anything he gets really mad at you is
5: right this guy a heavy vapor or something i think i, I like i, I know I, a t- the type where it's, you have a person who basically vapes a lot and or takes pipes and stuff and they feel like they're very philosophical that they sit and think oh. and they, they 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 sort of live out this sort of arrogance about who they are they yeah
9: yeah i
5: know exactly
0: what you're talking about that's pretty funny so he, he's
5: he got uh, pulled up ephesians right
0: ephesians 1 4 and this is paul this is paul addressing the people in ephesians of course and he starts out i'm going to pull up uh, my version i'll just kind of read from his screen Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, or Jesus Christ, Jesus who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And of course, all is an idiomatic expression. I mean, he's, he's blessed with, with a ton of blessings. Accordingly, as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And so... Uh, what's going on here the calvinists are going to take this and they'll say he's choosing individuals does does paul <laughs> when but when paul talks about salvation and he talks about his theology i don't often see him talking about individuals you'll name individuals when he talks about individuals but when you turn to places like romans 9 10 11 it's always the Gentiles and the Jews. And he talks about people in collective senses. And so what does choosing us in him before the foundation of the world mean? Does it mean picking individuals? Well, it, It's legitimate. It's legitimate if they want to hold that position. But it also could be about group status. God wanted a priest nation, Israel. Does, does he need to know the name of every single individual in that group status? I, he doesn't really need to. He just in a group i want children when when i when i was in my 20s i was like i need some babies i want a bunch of babies and it really didn't quite matter who they were i didn't know their names but my babies then i'd take my babies and i'd teach my babies things and we'd we'd go on trips together my babies and so i've chosen this group to do specific things in the future before they were born it's it's i don't Can need I, to know uh, Yeah go for it
9: Yeah. So and then now any one of those children, like, you know, your wife and you, you didn't know what child would come out. You knew. But even though that's the case, uh, once that child, now that you have it, you could you could tell that child, your mother and I chose to have you. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and that, you know, that's an individual. But, you know, I mean,
0: before you're (laughs) born, I loved you.
9: (laughs) Yeah. It yeah. didn't matter who he was. It was it would apply to whoever came out,
0: right? I mean and the really uh, nefarious way that they like to phrase these things is uh you know, Paul in, in his in how he writes and what he says, he's attempting to reach people to get people to join these groups. So he's attempting to recruit for these groups, and they want to pretend it's about individual lists of names. Paul is trying right? and these groups and who this applies to. And so they they're treating it in a very not natural way, I would say. In a very just like they treated those other passages must be mean our theology because we really want our theology to be true and no other reading is acceptable. I just I, I don't think it's about individuals. I do, it could be, it's a possibility, but it's not the only possibility. It's probably not the best possibility. It's
2: us in Him. The
0: fact that it does not solve the moral culpability. You're saying, Bob?
2: Yeah, it's us in Him. It's it's a group statement. It's a group conditional of those that are in Him.
0: Yeah, and uh, and who's he talking to? All future generations. Uh, he's really just talking to his his audience. You guys were chosen for this group in him, him.
9: Along with what you were saying of before. The evil. Bob's uh, not there. Paul often I mean he's always using the plural form of you right or you know so
0: right and so you don't you don't find this individual list of names no in, in the video that we're watching Bob drops out so that he could rejoin and try to fix his microphone
1: so that's the where you are in the video the way that they seem to think it does compared to Calvinism, it's the exact same issue. Because then you still have to explain away the fact that it's micromanaging reality, but supposedly, based upon an a priori presupposition, not micromanaging it to the prediction of before the foundations of the world that the slam was going to be slain. It just makes no sense. There's no, yeah. there's no actual philosophical consistency in the application whatsoever. And by the way, you have the same problem of evil. You don't solve it. You still have to explain away about the idea of how God, you know, micromanages reality along the pathway of the manifestation of sin and evil. You 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 do not uh, solve it. You do not remove. it. Yeah. Pause.
9: No, this gets back to what you guys were already talking about, um, or Chris, how uh, the culpability of God issue. And I thought uh, this part of this discussion is kind of related to. And I think you I agree with you Uh, there. There is there. there You know, you can't. Uh, eliminate God completely on open theism from this attack of, uh, you know, this, this, the argument, you know, that's being brought here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he also started talking about the same phrase since the foundation of the world, or they like to say from the foundation of the world, it's oppo. It's it's, so it's like sense. And so just the same way that in this Luke passage, That all the bloods of the prophets, all the blood of the prophets shed from the foundation of the world, that's used also in Revelation. And they'd like to apply this prepositional phrase to the Lamb slain, Jesus slain. But we know from the multiple references to the book of life in Revelation that the prepositional phrase is not modifying when the Lamb is slain. It's talking about the names not written. So in two instances in Revelation, you have a book of life reference where it talks about all the names not written since the foundation of the world. And, uh is written in this book. And what book is it? It's the slain lamb's book. It's the book of the slain lamb. It's Jesus's book. That's what book it is. The prepositional phrase is modifying something other than what they want to modify. They, they want to modify, typically, uh, I think Smokey might have been doing this. They wanted to modify the lamb slain from the foundation of the world or like jesus was eternally slain like there's some uh, ethereal world of uh no
9: it has to do with the fact that god knew ahead of time that lamb would be slain
5: have you ever have you ever heard
0: them claim it though they they've claimed a lot of calvinists claim that god or jesus is eternally slain what they want to get from that verse is
2: that all of uh the names of everyone that will ever be saved
0: were written in that book from before the foundations of the world right but the prepositional phrase is not even about that it's about names not written since the foundation of the world it's modifying something completely different but they want this to be eternal list of names but in in the book of revelation names are added names are deleted from the book and at the end of revelation if you're using King James or New King James it talks about your name being stricken from the book and then in the beginning there's a different reference to names being added or removed in a quote by Jesus and so this this is a book that's modifiable names are pulled out and names are are put in just like all the other books in the Bible Moses says don't strike or don't strike me from your book or right. uh, these books can be written in that's what the book's purpose is is a, it's a record of events is to record facts about the world in malachi malachi 3 in the same context where it says i lord do not change at the end at the end of that chapter is a very interesting uh, calvinists they, they like to read that one verse but they forget to read the rest of the chapter at the end of the chapter god god is interacting with his righteous people in israel and that righteous people are very worried because They think it's a real possibility that when God issues in the apocalypse or issues in judgment, he might accidentally punish them with everyone else. And so God, to alleviate their fears, writes a new book, never before written, uh, with the list of names of the righteous, such that uh, they can be assured that they're not going to be accidentally punished, Which, which, which is crazy. It doesn't line up to the Calvinist theory of how the world works and how God operates. And it tells you about the mindset of the ancient Jews. Uh, they, did, they did not believe in Calvinism. They were all open theists to the extent that they were worried about God accidentally punishing them along with, with the unrighteous. That's their fears.
1: Of it, you just separate it by a degree and maybe some of the less thinking individuals won't press you too hard on it, but it doesn't solve anything.
8: Yeah, okay. also like... Notice the loaded language. You guys went to the Those unthinking work, individuals. You know, Christ says, My right. time has not yet come. So, how does, if God doesn't know everything, how does, you
1: know, the fathers. Well, yeah, well, the, again, the ideas from open theism is that they are basically saying that God is, for the most part, really, really good at guessing. You know, just that's that's know. what they oh, say. Oh, really? <laughs> Hope? Yeah, that's an yeah. so accurate that. so, like, so, like when he's saying that he knows you, or foreknows or something, it's just because God is doing a really, really good job at, at like looking into guys' hearts and setting sociology and. F-
0: so this is this is how they want to control. You should know. Uh,
2: Smokey Saint uh, believes that God sees all possible outcomes and picks all of the outcomes that he wants so he's smallness
5: is that what you're saying
2: yeah so the the difference is that he thinks that he uh meticulously determines everything and i think that he sees the possibilities
0: Right, I think we did have a discussion earlier in the conversation about what Molinist belief entails. So, uh, notice how a Smoky Saint wants to control language. Um, and so, what, what was what, what was the media context here? I'm going oh, to yeah. play
1: decisions and then he knows
0: he knows. Okay, so guessing and so when when i say i'm going to tickle my girls today my little girls they're they're, they're always fun and we're running around the house and i grab them and i tickle them when i, I say that i'm going to tickle my girls today is that like a guess would any normal person you're you're talking to just a random person say hey i'm going to wrestle with my girls today and they'll they'll say you're just guessing <laughs> so the one way to control populations is to control language. And so to to label everything as guessing, if if you don't have this type of knowledge that they want to attribute to God, where God has direct access to this object-based knowledge, like, like God has a categorizing of all events ever with truth values assigned to them in his mind at all times, has this direct a- access to this knowledge. If he doesn't have knowledge like that, then they don't call it knowledge. They just call it guessing. So in in their estimation, our day-to-day activities, everything we do can be considered guessing. We're guessing out everything because we have imprecise access to information to make decisions. Every single decision we make for the future in this system that he's setting up, he would call guessing. But he, of course, he doesn't do that. He only applies it when when we're talking about God, because he, he understands there's a negative association with the word "guess," and he wants to associate that negative association with open theism. And so he needs to do that in uh, applying a dishonest and dis, this, uh, disingenuous. Disingenuous. Yeah. Disingenuous. He wants to use that word in a disingenuous way when dealing with how open theists view God. It's just, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's, Uh, This is why uh, I'm losing my words here. This is why I think bothers me is that
2: if they're wrong, let's say, you know, let's say that we're right and they're wrong, he's making fun of God.
0: Yeah, it's really dangerous. And uh, uh, Matt Slick does this too, and he's like, "Oh, here's here's ten things the open theists say about God." Uh, Maybe I could Google that article. He's like, oops. And he's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. And so it's just like Matt Slick, he has just this list trying to mock open theists mocking God. It's like, so Matt Slick, if open theism is right, and one day you have to account before God, that's not going to be a great article to splash on your little PowerPoint presentation of your sad life.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I talked to him once. I don't like him.
0: Oh, no, he's he's an awful human being. He's terrible. It, what was your experience like? Uh, I came onto one of the streams, uh, I think it was a
2: couple months ago, and uh, I told him that I had some uh, refutations of Calvinism. And uh, then we had a discussion for a while. Basically, it hinged on total depravity. And then, no, no, it was uh, 1 Timothy 4 verse 10. That's what I brought up. And then he went all over the Bible to show me how that couldn't possibly be true and ignore the fact that, cause I was saying that, uh, the atonement guarantees that everybody's going to get resurrected. so in that sense, he's the savior of all men. And he's like, Oh, so you're a universalist. You're a Pelagian. You're a heretic. I'm like, no, I just like, that's what the Bible says.
0: So, so I was talking to Laron, uh, and, and Laron, he's, uh, uh, you know, he's he's a Christian YouTuber. And he's like, I didn't know I was open theist until Matt Slick told me. He's like, I was talking to Matt Slick and I was telling him what I believed, and Matt Slick said, You're an open theist. And he says, What's that? And then Matt Slick described what open theist is. He's like, yeah, I guess I am. So <laughs> Matt Slick will do this thing where where he'll just call people names. Oh, yeah. you say this you aggressive
5: categorization.
0: This. Like in the Will Duffy debate. He called Will Duffy basically a Mormon like seven times. He brought up Mormonism. It's like the b- debate's not about Mormonism. Will Duffy's not a Mormon. Will Duffy uh, will, will argue against uh, Mormonism, but he needs to associate labels with his opposition in order to poison the well. It's a poisoning the well strategy. Your, your person's just awful because look at these this awful thing that you already think is awful, and now I'm associating it with you. It's this guilt by association or poisoning the well, and so the funniest thing that
2: I want to see Matt Slick debate like uh, like a oneness theology guy or uh, what's a modalist, and when he starts trying to defend the Trinity, the modalist calls him a
0: Catholic. (laughs) <laughs> well well i don't I don't know if you are familiar with anything that i i've done or or my interaction with uh, matt slick that i I've, I've talked about at the end of the debate i was there in person and so matt slick kept trying to get will duffy to affirm Mo- mormon quotes he's like uh do you agree with this quote and he'd read the quote and will duffy would be like what the heck are you what is this he wouldn't affirm any of the co- quotes and then matt slick would be like good because that was a quote from the book of mormon <laughs> yeah. and so at the end of the debate i get up there and i said oh you wrote on your Karm webpage this st- statement do you affirm that he says yeah i'm like how about this other statement i read a different statement he's like yeah i affirm that too i'm like good you that was that was that was plotinus a neoplatonist philosopher and he just went ballistic. <laughs> he, he went crazy. He's like, that's that's the genetic fallacy. That's trying to say that one thing's wrong because it's like another thing. And I said, that's what. That's exactly what you were doing to Will Duffy with Mormonism. He's like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Oh, it's, yes, he did. Uh, oh, There's no standards. No, if, they, if they didn't have double standards, they would have no standards. Calvinists uh, will say anything
2: that they have to. To back up Calvinism,
0: right? So I showed my boys the other day. My, I don't my, my four oldest. I I take them through like education lessons. I showed them one of the latest Michael Malice videos, in which he's talking about how the left operates. And one rule of how they operate is that their standard is: what do I have to say to make you do what I want? And that's how the Calvinists operate. What do I need to say? to make you shut up or make you believe my theology. That's their only standard for what's within their vocabulary. What do I need to say to make you do what I want? <laughs> and they'll say anything. They'll literally literally contradict themselves. They'll make asinine arguments like, like uh, if there's a list of people who have died since the foundation of the world, that must mean there's there's future foreknowledge. What do I need to say to make you do what I want? What's really annoying. Oh yeah. What's really frustrating
2: when you're talking to one of these Calvinists, when you finally catch them in a contradiction, you point it out and then they'll say, they'll stick with whatever they most recently said. And then the thing they said
0: before, they'll say, I never said that. That's not what I said. You didn't understand what I said. (laughs) Yeah. You you could quote them directly. Uh, I didn't, Layton Flowers just post a video, James White versus James White, <laughs> in which he like posts like James White quotes fighting James White. Oh, it's so funny. I, you, you can oh, do that with a lot that. of... <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, so maybe I might be misrepresenting the content of the video, but I've seen those things before. There was a Catholic who did that with James White. James White was criticizing this Catholic guy, and so he took James White previous clips to debate James White Kurt clips <laughs> with them together. That's yeah, pretty funny. Confidence.
1: That's still you know, what happened. <laughs> well, that's I'm. So God could be, be wrong. God could be wrong. Supposedly, yes. If, well, there are some. God is wrong. And even argue there are errors and and issues and contradictions in the Bible, and that's why I was kind of asking Bob at the beginning wow. if he thought that. So I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't
7: William know. William Duffy, I, I think, was actually, one of those guys.
1: William Duffy, was, thank you, Well, yeah. That's one of them. William, yeah. Duffy. Yeah. Yeah. William Duffy. William Duffy. Bob
7: I mean, from from my from my point of view, they seem to be really really radical with their. Open theism.
8: Oh, that is. I, I yeah, so open. I guess when God in the Bible says the heaven shall pass away, but my word shall not. I guess he was just guessing there too. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. That's Why the, would uh, that be a guess.
7: guess?
2: That's the philosophical <laughs> position. You, you guys use do. all this rest. wouldn't be anything but, to do with like,
0: like God's plan. To actually, so He, do he it. is
3: all-powerful. <laughs> he can
0: make the, the. This is this is actually I've I've heard this before. It's 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 so funny. It's so funny. It's uh, their their claim. I, I, if God says the world's going to be burned up, how could He know that? Is that just a guess? Like, who else would be doing it? What, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that would that seems to be like the most basic thing God could have access to knowing in the future. Like, if He created the world, destroying the world should be that should be like the most basic thing that God can do. And they're like. How does he know this thing is going to happen?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I brought you into this world and I can take you out again.
0: <laughs> right? uh, but I'm just uh, guessing. So, and so I, I think your reaction in, in the video is perfect. You're like, what, what are you talking about? What? What's going on here? Anything that he wants to happen.
2: Well, sorry, you don't believe that.
8: Well, uh, then that's
1: Calvinism, dude. That's, that's Cal- predetermining God and does setting everything up to make sure it you're happens. What's wrong with you? Well, the thing Calvin that I find is, is that
0: he... What? You think God created the world? That's Calvinism! You're a Calvinist! <laughs> uh, uh, how dare you be an open theist! If God created the world, Calvinism is true. God. You, just, you just gotta accept it. He does it universally.
5: Yep. I, wonder, I wonder if he actually gets converts by doing that. He tries to pick a little tiny point where he thinks he can get agreement, say, hey, that's Calvinism, just follow me along this path. I Yeah, I...
0: I I don't think that would be effective at converting anyone. I think what happens instead is uh, people are raised in the Calvinist church. They they're exposed to these these Calvinistic ideas, and for all intents and purposes, Smoky Saint is is affirming these Calvinist things, even though he's like a Molinist or whatever. And then they come to these podcasts and they they just hear people affirming these kind of tenets that they grew up with, and they're like, "That's the good guy," like. Uh for example, the Gene Cook Bob Enyert debate. I listened to the debate and Bob Enyert does a great job in, in the cross-examination. And the Calvinists in the comments are like, Gene Cook smoked them. It's like, really? Can we should actually diagram their arguments? What was one person's argument? What was the counter-argument? And was there a counter-counter argument? And which which argument seems the best? I think if it was written out, it would be a lot more illustrating. Uh, who's actually winning in these debates if you have to rank each of the arguments. But I I think people like affirming their priors. They like listening to someone who already agrees with them. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like like growing up, I never read like pro-open theist books. I always read the anti-open theist books because those are always seem a little bit more interesting to me. Someone who disagrees with open theism.
2: Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't always an open theist. Uh, actually, I have to thank you and uh, oh. Idol Killer and uh, uh, was it was it Will Duffy uh, that debated Matt Slick? Yeah, his was his was one of the best because you know they, they go to like Genesis 18.21 and they say that it's anthropomorphism and you're like, oh, okay, so what does it mean? Well, it's anthropomorphism. <laughs> uh, okay, so you can't tell me what it means. So. But this verse doesn't mean anything, so let's go look at this other one where he says, uh, Jeremiah 18, um, the, if I say I'm going to destroy a nation and then they repent, then I, I won't do the thing that I thought I was going to do. What does that mean? Oh, it's anthropomorphism. Okay, yeah. hey, what does it mean? Well, it's, it's anthropomorphism.
0: So we should really talk about the history of this anthropomorphism claim. So back in Augustine's time, there were people who were known as anthropomorphs. And they would be using that word, basically. Um, Those are people who believe that God had a body, that God had hands. When the Bible says the earth is his footstool, they would see God as having feet. They're known as the anthropomorphs. And so it it didn't start taking root this this dismissive language like, oh, that's an anthropomorphism. It didn't start taking root as converting that from an actual group of people who literally believe these things or or attributes of God to being this idiomatic expression just to ignore the text. It didn't start taking that form until uh, the Webster's Dictionary. Like, I I think I got the earliest reference to the definition of that. But uh, anthropomorphism, using god's characteristics in a dismissive way as 16th 17th type of century before you start getting that as a dismissive claim instead so what they mean instead oh there there are there are idiomatic usages of anthropomorphism so if you watch the brave little toaster or you watch cars the cars is about these anthropomorphic cars which have eyes and mouths and they talk and the brave little toaster is about this toaster who who runs around with the vacuum and a lamp and they they do they do go on adventures it's a framing device, device. i think
9: panentheists are uh more along those lines like i would have, have to admit to this kind of idea
0: yeah what do? idea
9: this this idea this earlier idea of anthropomorphism
0: well yeah so there, there are literal anthropomorphs but it wasn't like used in a dismissive way it, it, except for in the capacity as these good guys believe that these guys are awful.
5: <laughs> but but they, they would still allegorize everything. That, that's one of the interesting things, especially about Augustine's time is that uh, they, they considered there to be like three, like three ways to interpret a text. One is the literal way. One is the sort of like heavenly Christological way. And then there'd be a third one called an allegorical way to do it. And what what the pastors preferred, especially Augustine, every time they would go through these texts, is they would they would prefer the allegory because they could make the allegory mean whatever they wanted it to. And so they would they would read the text and then they would talk about whatever they wanted. One one of the funniest examples is uh, there's something where uh, I think it's in Song of Solomon. He's talking to the girl and he's he's saying, "I long to see you like a sheep longs to go out to the pasture," or, or and, and you're and then he says, your teeth are as white as the sheep of the pasture. And, and then uh, Augustine's allegorizing of it is, this is God's chomping out heresy in the church.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, if you read
0: Philo of Alexandria, he does it all the time. And uh, to Calvin's credit, John Calvin, uh, he was a little bit annoyed with how often augustine would allegorize the bible and so calvin did at least attempt to bring a little bit more realism and literalism back to the text uh but but one thing they they didn't do is just say this is anthropomorphism so ignore it the anthropomorphs were a real group they're a group that, that these people hated because they believe that god had a body and in their theology god can't have a body and never mind christ never mind jesus had a body god couldn't have a body but uh, then you, you reach the modern world and they we've taken this term and we've morphed it into an idiom. And the idiom, the use of this idiom is anytime the Bible says something about God we don't like, we could just dismiss it and call it anthropomorphism. And the definition seems to be John Calvin's treatment of God repenting, that this is just baby talk made for weak Christians who can't understand the Bible and it doesn't represent reality. It just kind of, Represents some sort of procedural change is is if, how they're using this. It's a made it's a made made up idiom. It doesn't exist. If I don't like
2: the verse, I can allegorize it. Is not a good mechanism for finding the truth.
0: Right, but uh, that if they don't have that, they got nothing. The Calvinism is not taught in the Bible, so if they well, can't come to the
8: truth,
5: yeah. With but do they want to? <laughs> Like they're Calvinists because they have some fantastical idealization of who God is. The, the best of the best possible conceivable in all ways you can't even describe him; He's beyond everything. They like You're going to have to just utterly shatter their idea of who God is. And that's why they don't want to avoid it. And that's it's one thing time. that I, I kind of uh,
2: empathize with them. That they want to glorify and lift up God just so, so, so high and I get that, but, you know, I, I try to stick with what God says and work with
0: that. But do they, is that their goal? Because uh, when I'm you talk about, oh, no, no, <laughs> they well, want to lift him up. And I'm like, well,
2: I just go with what God says.
0: Yeah, but do they actually try to lift him up? Because uh, they they seem to be dragging him through the dirt, saying that uh, that the Las Vegas shooting, that the FBI still hasn't told us anything about, that that was God's will, that all those people would die in those precise ways. The bullet trajectories were controlled by God. Everything, every horrible thing that ever happens, the gulags in Russia, where uh, unspeakable atrocities happen, that was all God's will and plan. So it's very degrading. But they care more about
9: yeah. But power that's a high Calvinist. That's a
0: I'm high sorry?
2: like that's a high Calvinist like, like Beckel, in the in, in this video. He's not. He, he wouldn't affirm that. He would say uh, something like he knew everything that was going to happen, but he didn't predeterminately cause everything that was going to happen because he's not the author of sin. Well, at least he yeah. said it once he he may backtrack if i push
3: him off
0: well yeah so you need to add, when when you're dealing when you're dealing with calvinists and if god's the author of sin you need to get them to define their terms because they'll they'll basically describe god doing everything an author would do for sin like like coming up with it and planning it and making all the circumstances so it happens but then they'll just add on but god's not the author of sin you're like what
3: <laughs>
0: I wrote Lord yeah, well, of the Rings if but you're I am
4: bus,
5: not the author of Zoran you could tell your if you're a you could tell people to go t- hit someone you know take them out but you're not the author because you're not the one who actually did it right yeah which is crazy because authors
0: write stories <laughs> 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 and, and, and their idea is that God wrote the entire story of the world and so I, I always like to press them on this inconsistency, but I don't know. He
2: before the foundations of the world. That's People literally what you teach, Bob. What is wrong with it. you? Bob, that is literally what you're teaching, man. No, it's not.
8: Right. Say, no. Bob, I'm confused. Hey, Bob, does God knows everything define Bob. everything? Okay. Does not. Does God know what's gonna happen in one thousand years from now on?
2: Uh, no. Except. Okay. okay. Bleh, I'm Wait. No. One thousand years.
8: If God, if God wants someone, you know, He wants somebody to go preach the gospel far away from Him, like in Africa. Does God cause them to go oh, preach, preach the gospel? Uh, doesn't know everything according
0: to you so so we could take does god know what's going to happen in 1000 years from now like okay so what does he mean by that every single event or maybe just like a big event like world war seven or something like that interesting question but i would also say god doesn't know what's going to happen a thousand years from now it's and and these people their reaction is uh fake throw up noises like, oh, this would be the worst thing that ever happens if God didn't know what's going to happen in 1,000 years.
9: Yeah, incredulity is in an argument.
0: Did you catch the conflation in his
2: question? He asked if uh, he makes somebody go preach the gospel in Africa and mm. then says that means that he knew, uh, you know, from before the foundations of the world that he was going to go preach the gospel to that person in Africa.
0: Yeah, that, that's one thing I've noticed quite often is Calvinists will assume if God does something, uh, it's like an eternal thing. Like God can't decide tomorrow to do a new thing. As Isaiah, Isaiah 40 through 38, God says, I'm going to do a new yeah, thing now.
8: I'm going to do a new, new
9: thing, not and, before. I mean, he makes it explicit that this is a new thing,
0: you know? And, and they assume that I, they assume that all the things that he had priorly been talking about in, in the chapter, and even this, they assume it's all eternal, rather than those weren't new in their own times. Everything's exactly. got to be this eternal thing. That's it. it it's it, It's not even breaching their mind that it could be God is acting as events happen to decide things and plan things out, responding to circumstances. They presume, they presuppose
2: that God is outside of time
9: right i was just
0: yeah that's an important distinction here yeah it's uh, it's it's not a debate because these are these are the elements that are under contention and if those are the points right. under condition contention they shouldn't be just assumed into the debate that's true yeah they beg well they beg the uh I beg the question that is classic begging the question
2: would go back and look at Jonah and Jonah was told to go preach to Nineveh yeah. and Jonah didn't want to so God made him get
0: so I think it was in the John Sanders James White debate where uh, it was uh, John Sanders I think goes to Nineveh So like let's talk about Jonah and White's like that's what Mormons do <laughs> 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 I'm like, what are you like three? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Swallowed by a whale, mm-hmm. and that convinced Jonah to finally do what God told him to do. Yeah, yeah. could Can- Jonah have refused? There,
0: he did. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, not, not just yeah. He did. That's the story. Jonah refused to go do what God wanted. That
5: is literally the story. It's it's not he, confused he for a long, long time too. Like <laughs> it, like he sat in the belly of the fish, and three he's days. he's like, I don't want to. No, no, I'm still even though I'm here no, three days. No, you're trying to kill me <laughs> on the on the on the sea. With, I'm still gonna rebel. <laughs>
0: That's literally yeah. the story. This is an anti-Calvinistic story, and they'll say, Look at God going through extraordinary methods in order to get someone to do a simple task. <laughs> they'll say, see Calvinism. <laughs> like, like that's that's the opposite. He he wouldn't have to do this if he controlled everything. Okay. So and was so, so so to somebody me else, is else and it wouldn't
8: you're, be anti, you're anti-Calvinist, but you're probably more Calvinist than you even believe you are.
0: Probably most Calvinist <laughs> yes. than everybody how it, else. How is that Calvinist? I'm I don't Calvinist, So Bob.
5: Calvinist... Oh, so, uh, <laughs>
0: they put a screen quote up. Andrew Graham, Bob, that's Calvinism. And they're like, if God does anything, that's Calvin. It's like, Bob, you can't believe that God does stuff. <laughs> you can't believe <laughs> And, Bob, you're you're in the video. You're like, how is that Calvinism? I I don't think they're going to answer. I'm going to hit play, and we'll see. (laughs) The fact that Job could resist
8: what God told him to do is not Calvinism. So Calvinists say that everything that happened is in God's will. You're saying that everything happened is God because God caused it. Man, that's even – that's higher than Calvinism. no so when a prophecy, not well,
7: well, well there's 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 a little bit of uh, you have to say that with some nuance there because not all. Bechles are, uh, not
1: I, even that extreme. Bechles not yeah, even yeah. The extreme yeah, of a yeah, Calvinist I'm, as Bob
7: is. Yeah, I'm, I'm more. I'm more of a, yeah, but no, it's been funny. We're, we're a whole bunch of messed up people here, man. Well, also, <laughs> you know, but but some flute in yeah, the background. That that's my daughter. I'm sorry about that. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, she, she's predestined to be here and, and disturb this conversation. But anyway, no, no, she
8: was predestined uh, by God. Yeah. The God. I say,
7: I take a more compatibilist view, so I don't know. Uh, I I do believe God has a permissive will and decorative will as
0: well. So uh, he. So I don't know what he's saying because Bob, in this interview, you just affirmed what happened in the story. Jonah didn't want to go, and then God forced him. And Vickle's saying you're more of a Calvinist than me. It's like, what does he think happened in the story? <laughs> What's his take in the story that's less Calvinistic? I
2: don't think he tells us.
0: Uh, he probably, probably does it. Uh, so, again, it's it's a, this weird mindset, and it's it's all hilarious. That's actually really funny to me that in their minds it is hilarious that you would say that uh, God doesn't control everything, doesn't know the future. And also sometimes goes through extraordinary means to get somebody to do a simple task. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hilarious to them.
7: He obviously knows
0: I'm gonna skip forward. We'll we'll jump to let's say the 120 mark, see what you guys are talking about. There wasn't an
3: F.
7: Okay, fine. Either way. It, either way. It doesn't matter. He sees he's, he's pointing out the conditions of the the consequences.
0: All right. Well, Chris Jones wants John to chime in and tell us if you, can you explain is time a thing that one could be outside of?
5: Uh So I I the, you measure time through the change of spatial relationships. So there's no metric to consider time outside of space. That doesn't necessarily mean that it is, but all our measurements that you have require spatial relationships. So you have to be inside space to have time. Now, uh, like depending on whether or not you consider God, like you can think of God, you can conceptualize this thing as, as something outside of space then maybe you could be outside of time too, but it wouldn't be something that you could sort of like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't necessitate that if you're outside of space, you would be outside of time. Just that there's no like physics way to talk about time outside of space.
0: Yeah. Another thing to keep in mind is if time is just a conceptualization device, like an organization device for us to organize data, and time's not a thing then there's nothing to be outside of this if presentism is true all that exists is now then you just have an ever changing now there's only one time it's
5: now well no because if time is just an organizational device then in principle you could just rearrange everything to be identical and it would be the same time right
0: i don't yeah it'd be now Every time is a
5: dimension i think it's abstract yeah, right. Right. But what I'm saying is that if it is abstract, you can't prove that through physics. Right. Because physics is you, you're characterizing time by the relationship of the objects. That That's what my point is. Right.
0: If you measure time through changing objects and the objects don't change, then you can't measure time, which doesn't mean that there's no time anymore. Like. Sometimes the Calvinists will argue, "How did time exist before the sun and moon?" Like what? 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 <laughs> um, and so, if you can't measure time, that doesn't mean time ceases to exist. That just means you don't have a way to measure it. Right. It's actually right. Smokey's
2: so- argument against uh, young Earth creation is he goes back to Genesis one and says that there were days before. Uh, the sun and the moon were there therefore they couldn't have been normal
5: literal days as we understand them <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all yep but, but, but yeah so it could be that time can't exist outside of the objects that you relate them to like what I'm saying is that you don't actually you can't conclusively say one way or the other but if you're going it purely from a perspective of physics, then it would be then the only thing you could do is talk about it in terms of the physical world, which is relating it. so so your arguments for timelessness would have to be either biblical or philosophical.
2: And right. I'll tell you it uh, doesn't make sense to me that something anything could be outside of time.
5: Right and, like, right. and it doesn't make sense it to all. a whole lot of people. Most people, right. It's, it's not intuitive. The arguments that people do make, they, they're sort of like, they, they see more like um, conceits rather than an actual argument. So so I, I'm kind of with you on that. But I don't, like, I'm I'm just trying to look at all the possible, like, it's not logically incoherent necessarily, but there's no reason to think that way. It's unintuitive. Right, It is unintuitive. And so it's so
0: unintuitive that it's not a consideration in the biblical writers. None of them considered time a thing to be outside of. None of them considered time travel or God, uh, uh you know, uh, just just playing with time. Yeah, the sun stops for a little bit, but what does that do? It gives them more daylight. It's not like time froze and they're running around and everyone's like frozen in time and they're, they're, they're punching out what are some of those sci-fi movies where they could pause time or anything? you don't see that in the Bible. they just conceptualized the world like we do. our day-to-day experience was their reality. They didn't care about these things. It wasn't part of their vocabulary. It wasn't a consideration. It's not part of their theology or worldview. It's just not in the Bible.
7: Consequences of these things that you do that are contrary to God.
0: He, so whether, or not, point you know, out,
7: whether you want to put an if, make it an if statement or not, it, it doesn't change anything. It there doesn't there change was no God. condition. It doesn't change God's nature. It doesn't show that God learns something. That's yeah. the problem. You're coming in it with the presupposition that God is learning things from his own creation.
8: Yeah, that's, all that's, you, that's all, critical.
7: All, all, we're, all we're seeing here is God not doing something because of his creation, uh, obeying him.
2: When After yeah. he stated that he was gonna do that thing. Yeah, read
8: Jonah <laughs> 3.10, read Jonah 3.10, and God saw their work that they turn away from their evil and God repent of the evil, that he said He will do unto them and he did it not. <laughs> yeah. So because they repented, God decided to have mercy on them <laughs> and not destroy them.
0: This, this is what we are talking about earlier. This is, they, they think that this is a positive argument for their position rather than dead fact evidence why their position is false. God didn't do what God said he was going to do because circumstances changed. Literally, literally. And they're, they're presenting it as if it's an argument for Calvinism.
8: Doesn't mean he didn't know what he was going to do? It just that that means God He made a worse.
0: decision in time.
8: In our context, in the way he speaks to us, yeah. yes, he made... Uh, figuratively, I think that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, think, yeah I'm glad you said that figuratively
7: will because that's the problem. That's the other problem that the open theists have too. They want to reject the fact that there are uh evidences of figure of speech utilized in scripture. Yeah, I mean, open there's a theists, whole bunch of places we can look to. That-
0: <laughs> no open theist has ever talked about the figures of speech used in the Bible and the ways in which those figures of speeches are used. Thank you, Veckel
7: you know, it utilizes figure of speech. They they hate the word anthropomorphisms.
0: For oh yeah, that's the word
8: I'm looking for. Like when in, in the New Testament, in the book of Genesis, oh, he it. Says, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> the flood, says,
0: So yeah, so anthropomorphism. <laughs> brave little toaster. The cars, Disney's cars. Is this is this, that's what's going on there? We got the brave little toaster playing out. It's a framing device for a fable. Is this a fictional story? It it is is that what's happening, Vekel? We're watching Disney's Cars. Uh, uh, do they ever define anthropomorphism in this talk? Do you know, Bob? Hey, he's on mute. I don't know. I breathe the, the fresher and it's, it
8: smelled good. Something like that. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Veco, Where God says he smelled the earth or you opened yeah. his eye. Those are just the way he speaks to us in a oh, way that we
0: understand. Okay.
7: Exactly. Exactly. Let's, let's is-
0: pause there. Okay. So in the Bible, the purpose of sacrifice is that the aroma reaches God. So so uh, like in the ancient world, they would pour wine sacrifices on totems or or o- objects of worship. like you would you would sacrifice the wine to the God by pouring the wine on that object. But in the Bible we we burn stuff. there's there's a pleasing aroma that goes up to God after the flood. And I'm trying to find the exact reference. Probably Genesis 8, where uh, they they sacrifice, and then the pleasing aroma goes up to God, and then then He smells it. Okay, so here we go. Genesis 8:20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in His heart. I will never again curse the ground because of man for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. So what you have here is a physical act of sacrifice, of burning, of incense. God smells this incense and that that spurs a reaction in God. And our friend Will here is saying that's just anthropomorphism. God did not actually smell. Is that probable, John?
5: It's a possible way to react to that, but it, it's not exclusive, right?
0: Well, is it probable
5: that God didn't smell it? Yeah, that the
0: author there is describing God smelling but doesn't actually think that God smelled the aroma of that sacrifice. It I It says I, he like, did. Yeah, so if it you're It says he did. You're if you're an ancient scholar and you you come across this book called the Bible, you've never read it before and you're trying to piece together their theology and you read this phrase what do you? What do you? What's your picture of God?
5: You, you would you would picture it the same way that all the other ancients had been imbibing and inhaling whatever the sacrifices are, right? Right,
0: absolutely. And then and then furthermore, we start reading the descriptions of the false idols that uh, are are terrible that God criticizes. And what are the criticisms? They have eyes but do not see. Uh, they have noses but cannot smell. <laughs> Yeah, and so that's the criticism of these false idol, idols. And so, God can smell in the Bible. God can smell. Uh, it's it, so that's that's a possibility that Will just wants to reject out, out of hand because his visualization of God smelling is really plays havoc on his theology. He can't have a God who can smell because it's not that different from God seeing. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah, so the the answer to can God smell in the Bible is yes. We'll, we'll see if if that's what you, is is that what you respond to him with?
7: It's the same thing with God asking questions. When God asks a question, oh, is, to Job, the well, to anybody, to Adam and Eve uh, in the garden, uh, do, do we are we to believe that God is asking questions because he? He does. There's some things he doesn't
2: know that he has to. <laughs> I'll give you know. those. I, I I don't hold the questions that God asks as necessarily uh, points of contention. Great,
7: great. Uh, so so if, if God is all knowing, then if He's omniscient, then obviously yeah. He knew before the foundation of the world all the events that in First Kings chapter twenty one was going to occur.
2: And right. When he if, says if the presupposition was, that you bring to the text is true, then what you say follows.
7: It is true because I can back it up by going to Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10.
2: Oh, yeah, okay. Good. Everything, so let happened, me ask you a question if God Wanted to say that he reacted to something that somebody did in time. How would he say oh, that God. in a way that you would? Think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good
7: question. Again, uh, all we have is anthropomorphisms. Uh, we, you, neither you or I have any
0: uh, so he doesn't answer. It. You know, so it, the the question rephrased uh, for the layman is: How is your view falsifiable? How would the Bible have to be worded for you to believe that my view is correct and your view is wrong? And he does, he can't answer that question. Because literally speaking, uh, the Bible is worded in that way that a normal person would use as evidence for Bob's position and not for Veckel's position. Veckel needs to assume his theology. And and Calvinists have asked me that. They said, what would the Bible have to say to make you believe that the Bible teaches uh, our version of omniscience? I was like, okay, I I have all these quotes by these Gnostics that say exactly that. So I start posting if it said this, (laughs) if it said this, if it said this. Because it, it wasn't it wasn't a foreign concept during around the time of Jesus to have an established way of claiming these Platonic concepts about God. And just the Platonists, you know, they're more centered in the Alexandria type part of the world. They had these concepts and they worded them in such a way that it's it's fairly obvious what they're trying to get at there. And there, there's good ways to have evidence for the Calvinist position. They just don't exist in the Bible. The Bible's not written by those people who believe those things. Uh, too early for that. Too early. Uh, the church is not thoroughly Hellenized at that point. Do you have a link to, to a bunch of Gnostic quotes? I, saying- I do have a link to a bunch of Gnostic quotes. And so if you go to the God is open page, God is open. And uh, you go to the resources tab and hit church father quotes. So the church father quotes that I have include like Gnostics. So I got even like Philo on omnipresence, Philo, it's all kind of linked around. And then there's the links to the source material too. And there's a bunch of different omnisciences that I kind of categorize as passive and active. And and so we got quotes by Clement of Alexandria. We got uh, quotes by Clement of Rome, which might be an omniscience. I got a Gnostic Thomas of, uh, Gospel of Thomas which uh, his disciples asked him. And he said to him, do you want us to fast? And how shall we pray and give alms? And what diet should we observe? Jesus said, do not lie. And what you abhor do not do for all things are manifest in the sight of heaven. For there's nothing hidden, which will not be revealed. And there's nothing covered, which will remain without being uncovered. So that's just kind of a general omniscience claim. Uh, but there are claims that are more about the future. Uh, Pantanius uh, argues uh, that, uh, God has this type of ungenerated knowledge and he was about one ninety AD. So all of that's there. All the quotes are listed out. The sources are given. You could just grab a phrase and, and throw it into Google with quotation marks and go right to the, the sources, but it's there. Some, some people in the old world believed that God did have this type of ungenerated knowledge of the future. Or Philo of Alexandria, he definitely believed God knew all things in the future. And he has explicit statements saying as much. So it's not like the Bible writers were lost for words. And there's no way that they could phrase something such that they could teach that God has all knowledge of the future. They just didn't. And it wasn't part of their mindset. It wasn't part of their vocabulary. They didn't care about these things. These are later additions. Oh, look at this. Chris Jones says, angels ate with Abraham. I assume they could taste food. Yeah, so taste, smell, sight, these these are all attributes that are regularly ascribed to God. Did you say something?
9: I was just going to say uh, the Calvinists would actually, I don't know, they might attribute those appearances not just to angels, but to God himself.
0: They would say that, uh, they would, they'd probably claim that these appearances are Christological. That there's like a jesus figure because
9: yeah they claim a christophany or a theophany not just be, an angel because um, you know. it doesn't
0: fit their conception of god the father so god the father has to be like in this immaterial timeless realm and there's a jesus the person in their theology there's a jesus the person but jesus the person isn't jesus who is god the christ and so there, there's a separation in their mind. They'll say Jesus is 100% human and 100% God, but the 100% human part is not 100% God part. And that, that's that's how their hypostatic union works. Because if God was part of this universe, as we, we heard, I think it was Will states earlier, that that contaminates his being in some sort of way. But the funny thing in the Bible is you get all this throne language. In Revelation, who sits next to God on the throne? Jesus sits next to God, so it's not like God's this abstract entity that only exists in the ether. Right. Yeah, that's
9: this, uh, great. This is uh, Plato's uh, dualism. Uh, you know, there's the the realm of God, and there's the you know, the, or you know, say the immaterial realm and the material realm. That this is that dualistic ten yeah. of Platonism.
0: And so there's three stages in, in, in Platonism. God is the first stage. He's the absolute unity, absolute one. And underneath that is the realm of the ideas where these more perfect ideas exist. And under that is the realm of the soul or reality or the material world, which, which kind of images this realm of the ideal, which in se- itself kind of images the realm of the absolute one. And the goal of a good Platonist is to ascend those levels. God, to to die and, and go to heaven and, and become one with God is, is that idea. And Christians use this idea to help develop theories of the hypostatic union. God is Father, Spirit, and Jesus. And so those kind of represent the different realms. And God the Father is in this abstract realm. Um, it's, oh, that's it's,
9: interesting. Okay, I can see like, yeah, the Father, Spirit, and then Jesus, the man in a progression there. Right,
0: but but all of that they're they're linked. It's, it's a single chain, but the the degraded parts of Jesus, the parts where Jesus ate and then he had bodily excretions, that oh, exactly. part, yeah, or died. Those parts can't be God because those parts are parts, and those parts change. Those parts have degradation. Those parts create complications, which can't be unified with this single abstract entity known as God. This is their idea. And so you'll see early Gnostics, and Gnostics were very Platonistic, uh, they would start ascribing weird things to Jesus, like Jesus couldn't poop. Uh, he ate and drank divinity, and he didn't have bodily functions because their idea was to try to get Jesus as far away from the material world as possible so that he meets their idealized perception of what it means to be godlike, to, to eliminate change and degradation. This is their Jesus idea.
2: Verse- when Jesus first showed up to his apostles after his resurrection, he asked for fish and yeah. ate it in
0: front of Absolutely.
9: Right. Well, this is where the idea is that, um, you know, one idea of Gnosticism was Jesus was a phantom, right? His his physical person was a phantom, right? It wasn't real. And that's because they can't have him be in flesh.
0: Yeah. So you see the Gnostics dealing with Platonism, trying to, infiltrate Platonism into Christianity and to re recalculate Christianity in light of these Platonistic value sets. Greatest being theology. We all, already saw that here. We, we saw their arguments uh, about God being the ultimate. So if time is co-eternal to God that makes time God or some stupid argument like that. The Smoky Saint made that jumping into this podcast. That was like his first argument platonic value sets. Again, they're not realistic value sets. They're not value sets that, that represent how people actually work and function and what people care about in this world. And they're just philosophical, philosophical abstracts that some guy just made up in his head. What makes the ultimate being? Oh, I got these grand ideas. They're not reality. It's just, just baseless speculation.
9: It can't be that bad. Uh, if Jonathan Pritchett believes it.
0: If who does, <laughs>
9: jonathan pritchett
0: oh <laughs> well does he believe it i so you know, one thing is it, funny he's doing these series where he responds to people like why i'm a mormon or something he responded i was like oh maybe he wants to respond to me why am i open theist so i made a why am I open theist podcast He didn't, i didn't respond i think he understands that the bible's not written in terms conducive to his theology and, and i think he acknowledges that but he, you want, uh, didn't you ask him a question on one of his podcasts uh, to, about simplicity? And he just like affirmed it or something like that. Well, yeah, you want to talk about it.
9: Well, he he, he just kind of says, uh, I mean, in my what, what I take his take is, is, uh, look, that makes the most sense to me. And, uh, you know, I know it's not biblical, but I'm going to vote anyway.
0: And that's, that's, you know, that's someone's prerogative. People could believe whatever they wanted. Right? Right. but my Ron? question is:
9: Then why should I believe anything you say? I mean, uh, why should we, you know, trust any conclusions you reach? Well, admits that his thing. view is
2: unbiblical.
0: Yes, kind of. Some people will, like that Calvinist I was talking about earlier who believed that the Bible was progressive revelation. And so the Old Testament definitely is describing a God who changes his mind and and goes to war and stuff like that. But that wasn't an accurate revelation of what God's actually like. So he, he wants his theology, but he's also accepting the text at face value. And his way to mesh the two is to discount the Bible as being authoritative in what it stated. Jesus said the scripture can't be broken. Right. And so definitely Jesus believed in the historicity of the Old Testament. And I I don't think there's any indication that any of the New Testament writers rejected the actual descriptions of God in the Old Testament. So I, I don't think on face value, it's a good argument, but some people do hold it. It's not not the best position, but I just like to throw out there that some people can be irrational on some points and rational on others. So always look to their evidence. What what does their evidence present and then make the evaluation? Don't believe something because someone believes it. This this guy believes this one thing. So I got to believe it. So why do they believe that thing? And then you can evaluate for yourself.
7: Every aspect of God's nature or even his works, so you can you can you know back that up in uh, Job chapter 37. So, the best way that we have when we see passages such as God repenting in Genesis uh six and John, like, treat you know, several places there, uh, that's the best way that we have to exp- express an act of God through human terms,
2: yeah, or like. So if God wanted to say that I reacted to something that somebody did in time, there's no way that he could say that in a way that he <laughs> look would... At this. Oh, I love it.
7: No, no. well, we, oh, we have to we use have it in, a, in the language that we can communicate the, to the yeah, best like, public, it but the it question. doesn't change his nature. It doesn't mean that uh, he is learning something or there was something that he yeah. didn't foresee. I, like, oh,
2: I mean... No, no, I If open theism were true, what would God have to say (laughs) to prove that I'm right and you're wrong? What what would he have to say? How could he say open theism is true?
8: Therefore, the new knowledge came into me when I asked Eve the question. (laughs) He says that all the time. (laughs) Let's let's, (laughs) Let's make it clear. If open theism is true, then God is a moron. Okay,
0: well... Well, if open theism
2: is true and I'm right, then you just called God a moron. If open, yeah, he wouldn't know anything,
7: <laughs> he wouldn't know anything, we wouldn't be able to trust him. An open theist God is untrustworthy and not smart.
2: Why is he stupid?
1: We, and, uh, because, untrustworthy.
7: Out, because his own creation can outsmart hey,
1: him. Because, hey, because hey, he, hey, he, hey, he, hey, hold on one sec, one sec. <laughs> one sec Bob, pause it. how do you know? The okay, promise of you pause it. If my yeah. kids
0: could outsmart me, that means I'm a moron and they uh, I'm stupid. They totally
5: understood that they could not answer the question and went directly to the Dignum Dio argument. They said, well, there's nothing that they basically understood that there's nothing that could be written and said, well, I refuse to believe in a God that is like that in any way. I do not like that God. I refuse to believe in it. That's what they just said. That's their answer to your I guess they did answer you Bob. they answered you and said it i I, I won't believe it
0: <laughs>
5: yeah well yeah, I the just, will gave... I wanted them to admit it <laughs> they, they kind
0: of did well the will guy he said um, God must have if to believe that open theism's true in the Bible God would have had to say to Adam and Eve, oh when you answered my one question this one time new knowledge entered my mind. It's like, well, first of all, shouldn't that be like anywhere in the Bible in any capacity? Why are you pointing to this one thing? And uh, yeah, secondly, John points out, he says that all the time. Now I know about this. It's like, I never expected this. Now I know. And, uh, you know, God's failed expectations are there throughout. God's saying that he learned stuff, Uh, reports coming to God, reports coming to God. God, God is, uh, it's brought to his attention things. And so it, that's pretty common in the Bible. He just doesn't believe it. So uh, Will seems to be, at least well, he that, attempted to answer that, the question. Right.
5: But that makes your whole debate interesting because it's it's almost like the only reason to make this discussion is for the spectators and for, for other people outside to watch and see how these people operate. Because they basically said there's literally nothing that could be written that will convince me because I hate your conception of God. And that, so, that's
0: that's pretty common. They they do it all yeah. the time. <laughs> it,
5: it
0: it does make things interesting, but it it's great that you keep pressing. You, you need to press the questions. If you're dealing with a Calvinist and they won't answer a question, keep pressing until it's painfully obvious how dis dishonest they that you, you can't just let them give a half answer and slide. It just it just needs you, you keep hitting. You keep hitting. You keep hitting. Uh, Will Duffy it in uh, the the what the Matt Slick debate, he says, "Can God add one raindrop to one storm?" And uh, Matt Slick's like, "I don't know what you mean by that. What do you mean by that? It's like, <laughs> can God like add, add one raindrop?" And Matt Slick's like, "Why would he need to do that?" It's like my, my daughter could answer this question. <laughs> can God add <laughs> one raindrop to one rainstorm? And, and Slick's like, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. That's that's probably the best part of the back and forth because it humiliated Matt Slick. Like it's it's an obvious question. It's obvious what's meant by the question. He just didn't want to answer it because it looks bad on him. So he just punch, punch, punch. Same question over and over. It's, it's not like these convoluted questions like Smokey Saint has. He's like, if you hold premise one, two, and three, and then have this premise relate to this premise in this specific way, then you must believe this yes or no. It's not like one of those questions. It's just like a, can God add one raindrop to one storm? Can, can that happen? Is <laughs> open-ended question. All he has to what? say is no. Yeah, like that, that's the That's what he believes. He believes
2: that God can't add new things or think new thoughts because he already planned everything and thought everything from before the foundations of the world. And then he made it and it's just all playing out.
0: Right. And that would falsify his foreknowledge of all things. If God could add one, then he wouldn't have known that the other number of raindrops would be actualized. and His knowledge would be falsified. You get into these, these loops and it, their whole system comes down. It falls down. It tumbles to the ground. Their whole system collapses. On one raindrop. One straw breaks the camel's <laughs> bread. That's
1: fine. Oh, I like kind of that Exactly. He said so. It doesn't matter. And he's You're trustworthy. Wrong. Your God can no, be wrong. He's, yeah. well, well, he's, he's trustworthy. Oh, so
0: there's, there's their other claim. If God can change, if God doesn't know the future, then he's untrustworthy. It's an insane standard of trust. Like, yeah, I trust my wife to... keep my kids alive every day. You know, I I leave my house with my wife in charge of my kids and I come home and they're alive because I trusted her to keep my kids alive. It's like uh, my trust in her is not based off of some sort of thing inherent in her nature, the inability to change or anything like that. It's just based on what I know about her character and her power to perform.
9: And plus if something happened and one of your child children died, it wouldn't change the fact of what you know about your wife. I mean,
0: it you're was it Yeah, was your voice is roboting. So I don't know if you're in a bad connection area. But you said that if one of my children were to die, it wouldn't change what I know about my wife. I might trust her a little bit
5: less. <laughs> I might. Depends how her. she died.
9: It depends on the circumstances,
5: what you thought yeah. you got home. I have to get going, but. Uh... Thanks for inviting me. This is fun.
0: Yeah, we're at about, like, uh, three and a half hours, and <laughs> right. we probably covered, like, 20 minutes of their six, six hours. Days. Right. So w- we'll go ahead and uh, call it quits for now. It should be good. But I uh, thank everyone for coming on. Bob, I thank you for coming on. You're, thank you're you. The it was, uh, it was a pleasure,
2: pleasure finally getting to talk to you, too.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And, Renek, always a pleasure. Mm-hmm.
2: Thanks for allowing me.
9: Appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Mr. Roboto. (laughs) uh, We'll kind of end there then. All right. Uh, Any questions, comments? Put that down below. Start a thread on the God Is Open Facebook page. Thank you for watching.